0: mother is believing. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody he believe that? Oh. Does anybody here believe that? Oh. We are from Arkansas, no. <laughs>
1: All right, so episode 71, going down the baby ballot. So this is the Jaylee episode.
2: Jaylee, never heard that one before. Two
1: spellings, J-A-Y-L-E-E and J-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H.
2: Oh my goodness.
1: So two different forms of Jaylee and neither made the cut. Nope. Before we get into the actual episode, Mm -hmm. did have a little business regarding the pod okay no corrections no clarifications but um about a week ago by the time this comes out it'll have been a week since spotify did their wrapped thing you know Mm -hmm. big deal right so we got i mean we've talked about it we've seen the growth Mm. period like there's no way that we haven't seen it just all all of our hi mildred I mean there's no way to not see it. Like we can just see it in our basic analytics. Mm-hmm. But it's really cool with the rap to get like specific statistics for things we wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. do. So, um we grew by 999%. Oh, that's it. <laughs> A mere
2: 999.
1: Yeah. Um 98% of our listeners were just discovered us in 2023. Mm-hmm. So that that's shows, cr- that that's tells wild, you everything. Yeah. yeah. Um And also, so these stats just go from the beginning of the year to the end of October. So it's not even Mm -hmm. speaking for the full calendar year, obviously. But um, so last year we were streamed in 26 countries. This year it's 78. Crazy. Last year we created 1,898 minutes of content. And this year was over 4,500 minutes. Mm -hmm. Which granted, the first year we started in April. So it did have...
2: It wasn't a full count, But still,
1: our op- episodes have just gotten longer. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that too. But that was just kind of one of those things where I'm like, oh, I never stopped and thought about like, how many minutes is it? Yeah. So it is kind and of interesting. And that's not
2: counting the pickles that we've done. Yeah. You know. So
1: that was interesting. I like seeing that. Um, we charted in four countries and peaked at um, number three mm-hmm. in two of them. And we charted for 24 weeks, which I did not realize is, that we did it's for a like half time. the year. I didn't realize that. But the big thing that I thought was really cool to see... Was when they break down like who your like top podcasts like for. Mm. So last year we were in the top ten podcasts to um, six hundred ninety three people. This year it was thirty seven thousand two
2: hundred three. Oh, just a little.
1: Um, uh, last year we were in the top five for four hundred seventy seven people. This year it was twenty five thousand seven hundred sixteen. Damn. And then last year. We were the top podcast, 135 people, and I remember last year being like, "Oh my god, 135 (laughs) people!" Like, I I remember being like, "I can't fucking believe it!" Like, I was like on fucking cloud nine. Yeah. This year, we're the top podcast for 8,616 people.
2: It's wild, and that's
1: just Spotify too. So it's like it's cool when you think about like, yeah. So that was just wild. So like for between this year and last year for the top one, that's like. A different of like almost eight and a half thousand it's <laughs> so I was like it's yeah. nuts like yep. but i remember being like oh my god 135 whole people and being <laughs> like i couldn't believe it and then yep. now i'm like holy shit!" so when we said in the state of the pod that 2023 was a big year of growth
3: we weren't in line. We weren't
1: lined. It was a big year, and no. we have you guys to thank for it. So yeah. it was just really fun thank having you. you guys tag us all and, like, mm-hmm. recommending us to, like, your friends and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It was just really fun. So thank yep. you guys so much. And everybody on the other apps as well. Unfortunately, Spotify <laughs> seems to be the only one that does this cool, yeah, like, rap type thing, and it becomes a whole thing. So I feel bad because then it's, like, all the other people are, like, oh, like, <laughs> well, I listen on Apple, and I'm, like, we still yeah. appreciate you. I right? Thank you very like. <laughs> How did you
2: feel about your Spotify-wrapped, like your personal one?
1: Oh, I mean, I mean.
2: Was it what you thought it was going to be? I mean, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. That's funny. and And Berlin was my number one. mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you get, if whoever your like top artist was, they had some of them record videos that were like thanking, you know, thanks for being one of our top listeners or whatever it was. And they all varied because all the bands, you know. That did it. Were able to do whatever they wanted. I think my favorite one was Weird Owl because mm-hmm. Weird Owl gets on there and he's like, "Well, you know, they asked me to do something for Spotify Wrapped this year," and he was like, "And they they told me that I had, um, I got streamed by more than like eight eighty five thousand people or something like that." And he was, you know, eighty five whatever millions of streams or whatever. And he goes, "So, I just wanted to say thank you because." According to how the revenue goes, that earned me $12, (laughs) which was about the price of a sandwich at a nice restaurant. He's like, so thanks for listening and thanks for the sandwich. (laughs) Throwing shade in their own video. And then my other favorite meme that came out from it was parents when they post their Spotify wrapped. And it's the scene from Titanic where uh billy zane is trying to get off the boat and he grabs the kid and goes i have, I have a, a child, child. yeah because <laughs> yeah. it was always like all their bands and then like bluey yeah
1: <laughs> fucked up that algorithm you know um i will say that i'm glad that with amberlyn being my my number one you would kind of assume that the person giving the mes- message would be the lead singer like it would mm-hmm. be steven but yeah. it was christian and he's my favorite because he is Boxy, and so, um, so when he was in the video, I was like, "Oh, this worked out even better for me." So. <laughs> right, Anyhoozle, that's all. I just want to say thanks for the rap stuff and mm-hmm. tagging us because it was a lot of fun. It was a that fun was day. A lot of
2: fun. The last thing I'll say about Spotify Wrapped that I just remembered was somebody on Twitter posted like their stats of like their top bands, top artists, and then it said, "Wow, this is exactly me." So and no, somebody, was, somebody like, responded, so "Accurate." It was so yeah, good. yeah. And somebody responded. You're right. It's data. Like, it's not. (laughs) This isn't them picking it. This isn't them guessing.
1: (laughs) They're not like, ooh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So today's episode is called Josie Duggar's First Christmas. Mm -hmm. And it premiered February 2nd, 2010. And just something to note that last week's episode, the special, the birth special, premiered January 31st. So this is just a couple of days later.
2: Yeah. There's a little bit of crossover.
1: Yeah. So, the beginning of this episode is interesting because it starts off by showing some of the same scenes as the last episode, with the family arriving at the hospital to meet Josie. So, there's some repeated scenes, but it also goes more Mm in-depth. Last week, we saw the family gathered in a room of the hospital briefly before going to see Michelle and Josie. But this time we're seeing Lego hair explain the situation more to the kids. Mm -hmm. He's telling them how Michelle's blood pressure was so high. The doctor said they had to take the baby within an hour Mm -hmm. and then explaining how she's 15 weeks early. So she won't be coming home for at least three months. He said, quote, I wanted to make sure I had time to talk to our children before I took them back to see little baby Josie because they needed to understand that this wasn't going to be a normal baby. This was going to be a situation where little Josie was going to require around-the-clock care for months. And we get a cell phone belt clip, even (laughs) though it's an honorary square. Yeah. Not a real one. (laughs) And now we see them all getting their temperatures taken before they can go back to see her. Mm -hmm. But even then, I'm still really shocked that they're all allowed back there. Right. Like, I just didn't think that that was that they let that many people back in NICU's period. Like, like that. I wonder if
2: they did it just because it was part of the television show. I'm like thinking they...
1: it had to be, but like, I'm like, yeah. that's insane. Like that doesn't normally happen. I don't think Yeah, it's not like that in, in my experience. So yeah.
2: So it's probably because they were a television show about a large family.
1: <laughs> and now they're led back. And once again, we see them all reacting to Josie for the first time. But it was like really rushed last episode. It was just oh, yeah, know, like it shoved super in at the very, on. Yeah, very mm-hmm. end. This go around, it slowed down. They even have dramatic piano music playing in the background.
2: Man, that music was spot on. Well,
1: how, like, you know, how I was like, they could have made it more dramatic last episode. I'm like, oh, they saved it for this episode. <laughs> like, and in a talking head, Jill says she'd been trying to envision her size, knowing she was like, okay, like she's a pound six ounces. And, quote, seeing that precious little life and just seeing how small she is and that she's breathing. It was just overwhelming and it just made us all cry. And it was so sweet and a precious time to be together. And you really see how unprepared everyone was for seeing Josie. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: While it's possible that they didn't air the entirety of Lego hair's little speech beforehand, like I'll, I'll leave some space for that possibility. (laughs) I, I just wonder if like I mean did he emphasize her size right like maybe her breathing and things like that you know mm-hmm. like I definitely think that no matter what it, it just hits harder when it's right in front of you like yeah I mean I feel like that's inherent and no level there there's something that like you're not gonna ever be like fully prepared I don't think mm-hmm. but I I really wonder if the kids had any fucking clue what they were about to see you know yeah like for me, even watching her breathing is kind of tough.
3: Oh yeah, because
1: it's so mm-hmm. like I don't know if erratic is the right word, but like, it's it's not normal, like, you know. Like, and I'm like, yeah. even watching that, it makes me kind of go like, oh, like mm-hmm. you know. And another thing that I thought about is, I kind of wonder if Michelle's demeanor kind of plays into it as well. In what way? Because I was thinking about this last episode, and then rewatching it again just kind of reinforced it to me. And I'm going to make it very clear. I am not saying that they should act like doom and gloom. I'm not saying that they should act in a way that would like stress their children out. Mm -hmm. Like I I came from a childhood where I felt like my parents told me way too much, you know, Mm -hmm. or like, you know, like made me stressed by letting me know things or like the gravity of situations and things Mm -hmm. like that. So by no means am I saying that they should have been like that forward, but I just remember I think it's sort of odd to see everybody in the room getting choked up and Michelle still having that fucking smile plastered <laughs> on her face and like cooing and talk, you know, just like yeah. her syrupy sweet. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, I, really I feel like you didn't like prepare, like, and I'm not saying that you need to be like, to- there's a middle ground is, is what my point is mm-hmm. between being what Michelle's being. And then my fucking parents, but like, you know, just <laughs> yeah. like somewhere in the middle that's like, I think it would be confusing when mommy's acting like everything's fine. Yeah. And then you're like, holy shit. When you actually walk in the room, mm. you know, like, I
2: definitely feel like that as part of it. And you, s- I use it in my daily because I feel like my energy dictates the energy of the people around me. And I think with children, it's difficult because a lot of times they can't read some social cues as to like when you should probably not be fooling around or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I feel like they rely a lot on their parents as the, the guide stick of like, how should I be acting right now? Whether it's the parent telling them that way or just reading their parent and being like, oh, okay, this is a moment. Yeah. For kids pick up on your energy and they yeah. might, yeah. And, and like you said, the fact that, like, her demeanor hasn't changed through any of it definitely allows the chance for, like, a like an, oh, shit, I wasn't prepared for this. And
1: I'm not saying I have some perfectly, like, this is exactly how she should have acted. But I'm just saying there is somewhere in the middle between these two extremes <laughs> that to give some sort of indication of, like, hey, this is serious, but we're not trying to, like, we're freak are the fuck out. out but, like, yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was really... Like, everybody's crying, and she's just smiling, like, fucking smiling, you know? And I was just like, okay.
2: It feels a little Buddy the Elfish. <laughs> yeah. Where things are going on, and he just has a smile. As a, what are you smiling for?
1: Smiling's my favorite. <laughs> so, James, Jamesy bug, Um, he said, I didn't think she'd be that small. Anna said she'd be as long as my arm, but she isn't. So, he's calling you out, Anna.
2: Yep. Come on, Anna.
1: Get it, get it the fuck together. And then uh, Jeer or Artist Jed <laughs> says that he thought he that she'd be not the regular size of a baby, but just like a little bit smaller. But she was way smaller. And with Josie being so early, someone's potential complications she could face are intestinal problems, infection. Chronic lung disease and more, all of which can be fatal.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So now it cuts back to home videos of Dugger Christmases, mm-hmm. and they do a, a chunk right now, and then later on in the episode they kind of bring in some other ones later. Yeah, but this first one is from nineteen ninety one, and I want to note a couple things that caught my eye. Okay, the little tykes shopping cart, mm-hmm. fucking classic. I'm a, I'm a I'm a real fan of little tykes and and um. Fisher-Price from the 80s and 90s. Good stuff. <laughs> and 70s. You With know, all the
2: primary stuff. colors.
1: Good stuff. Um, I did notice that in the shopping cart was a Fisher-Price radio. <laughs> one of which, it is exactly one that I have like listed right now as well. That's and I'm like, very, hey, very I have that. <laughs> <laughs> um, a little Tykes High Chair. Of course okay. for Of course that was like for Jana. I mean, it wasn't for Josh. <laughs> Although it was funny Josh was pushing the cart, so I was like, ooh. Yeah, that's true. He's are we, not like, used to that in one. we line, like gender lines here. Mm. Like what's the roles? Mm. Do do men shop?
2: Nobody knows what the roles are right we now. We don't
1: know those, these, these gender, you gender. know. Um and then there Cannon's outfit. Did you notice her Christmas outfit? I did not. So it's very IBLP like, it looks like it would come out of a man- a manual, <laughs> like okay. a, a seminar book. But for some reason, I got to admit, I'm kind of digging it because it's, like, it's more so just, like, screaming 80s and Christmas, but, like, to me, in a good way, in this one particular setting. So, she's wearing a red dress and she has a big green bow around her, um, like, her neck. like Okay. You know? But then... she. And she's wearing pearls. I'm like, you got to pick one or the other lady. She's got a long string of pearls and okay. the bow. And I'm like, ooh, homegirl could. Clashing accessories. Yeah. And, you know, it. that is one thing that they would. The bow would be okay because it draws to the countenance. But remember how long strands of necklaces mm. were not. So yeah. she was she was breaking a rule yeah. there.
2: She was on both sides of that line. She
1: was. But I don't know. There's something about it. I'm like, okay, I'm a little charmed by her 80s uh, Christmas garb. Mm-hmm. I got to say.
2: There is a scene in this, in one of the years, where you see uh, Grandma Duggar in a with a fabulous like blonde bouffant.
1: <laughs> Her hair
2: was of the time, and it was rocket.
1: Um, you saying bouffant took me back to a random memory. I remember okay. one year when my sister and brother-in-law were having a Halloween party, and their guy friend came dressed as I forget what. Who he was supposed to be, but he was dressed as a woman, and he had a bouffant. But he, he, like at one point we were playing a game, and like his hair was like i think we're doing some like i don't know something where he had to move like i just remember his like maybe it was like one of those dance games or something i don't know mm-hmm. but um and i remember like as he was moving the hair was like starting to like fall off and at the and when he was done i remember us being like man you were getting there he's like i was trying to but the fondue pot kept falling off my head
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: we're like you mean bouffant and he was like yeah whatever the but he's like the fondue part. pot kept falling <laughs> off my head Anyways. I
2: forgot about that. So, Grandma Duggar has a fantastic blonde fondue pot.
1: Fondue pot on her head. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so they show Christmas 94. There's a there's Famie in one of them.
2: Mhm. Yeah. The kids were so blonde when they were younger. They, yeah,
1: they were. Yeah.
2: Like as they were showing a bunch of those years, everyone that came up, I was like, god, they were so blonde when they were young.
1: And there's something about those earlier years when there's only like five or six of them were they still you're like oh when you look at that they seem like they could have just been a normal ish large Mm. family yeah like they hadn't entered total fucking freak (laughs) show circus yet so you're like man they actually had like new little tykes toys like you know what i mean or (laughs) then they just like she just looked like a regular 80s mom and i don't know it was just different yeah and the way josh was like in ugh, gross but um but, like, he was dressed like a normal kid. Like, he had, like, a sweat sweatsuit on. Like a sweatsuit, yeah. <laughs> like,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. Little Jason does have really big squirrel cheeks. Yeah, he does. Really chubby cheeks.
1: Yep. Um, okay. So, that was Christmas 94. Um, and then it flashes back to the current time. And I feel like we get to mark one of our new squares for the very first time. <laughs> the... We know, we know Michelle, Michelle. Mm-hmm. Square.
2: I wrote this one down.
1: Good job, honey. <laughs> All right. So the reason for that is because Canon says, the days leading up to Christmas, our children had a lot of responsibilities back home.
2: <laughs> did you roll your eyes like Lino.
1: I did? <laughs> she could have been more specific and said the girls had a lot of resp- responsibilities back home. But, you know, she was trying to keep it broad.
2: They don't have... It doesn't make a difference. We're
1: like, they would have had that anyway, lady. <laughs> so Michelle talks of her heart being pulled in different directions, knowing she needed to be in Little Rock with Josie. But, quote, On the, on the other hand, all my other children back in Northwest Arkansas, my babies, that needed me, that's hard. And her saying, like, my babies stirs up nothing like i feel no emotion like there's no warmth behind it you know it's just it's odd like i'm not saying she has no feelings for her children i'm sure there's something there i'm not claiming zero feeling but she doesn't radiate motherly warmth in any kind of way that i can feel
2: okay i feel like i feel i get exactly what you're saying I feel like much like a lot of things in her life, I feel like things are pantomimed, where it's not that look at that, we just talked about her and her demeanor and the smiling, just smile sweetly, everything will be fine. It's a pantomime of somebody who is reacting that way in the moment. It's not real, and that's how it kind of feels this way too, like a lot of the a lot of the things that I think parents do that kind of make them feel like a parent are being handed off to her older children. So I feel like as much as she can say the words, I'm not sure if the
1: it's actually there. Like Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't have this like I mean, I'm not one of her children, and some of them would say differently, but I'm like I don't sense <laughs> these deep connections, like, you know. Yeah. Um it's also just such a different situation, like the house, the household can and will run without either of you present because it really won't run any differently than it does, yeah. anyway. You know, mm-hmm. what was it? Wh- which one of them was that fucking called them out? Was it James?
0: Yeah.
3: Before I think that so. was like,
1: hey, it was the same. It was this yeah. the g- The girls there uh, were in charge, so things were the same. <laughs> yeah, it's like nothing's fucking different from the mouth of one of the fucking kids. Mm-hmm. Like nothing's different.
3: Yeah.
1: Um. And so now we see the kids decorating the house for Christmas, and just a few highlights. Were our girl, Johanna, just very rad- rather like matter of factly walking up to Ginger and saying, Ginger, here's baby Jesus and handing him over.
3: <laughs> yeah, He's just like, here he is. Yep.
1: Um, And because they're setting up the nativity scene, which gives us another highlight. Joy is handing Mary over to Justin and she's telling him to take it over. And right as he turns around and takes one single step, Mm -hmm. he falls down.
2: He eats shit. Yep.
1: (laughs) But just as quickly as he fell down, and it was quick, (laughs) he starts to like pop right up, and he's yelling, "I didn't break her."
2: (laughs) I didn't break. Yeah, yeah, it was very fast.
1: (laughs) But it was pretty funny. Like I, it made me like. He's just like I didn't break her. It was like it was also fast, but he was just like. Yep. Yep. And now the Duggar Litter is at Goodwill to shop for gifts for whoever's name they drew.
2: I have one more moment. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. At the end of them decorating. So they have these like, they look like they're probably three feet tall statues of uh, what's supposed to be the three wise men. And one of them has his hand on his chest, like his open hand on his chest as if he was going, Oh my God.
1: Oh my. (laughs) Yep. Oh my.
2: And then he looks like he's, he has a really sassy look on his face. Get ready for visuals. And then as the camera pans out from those decorations, um, oh man i didn't put who it was i just wrote sassy wise man (laughs) um as the camera pans back he imitates the face of this oh is
1: that what he was doing i didn't think he was imitating i know what you're talking about i think it's james because it was justin that dropped and then it's james Mm -hmm. making a face yeah but i didn't i didn't think he was
2: oh yeah it totally was because the way they filmed it that's exactly why i'll have to rewatch that
1: that. i noticed his face but i didn't (laughs) notice the statue per se so it was so good that's funny (laughs) So, um, like I said, they're at Goodwill to shop for whoever they drew mm-hmm. for the gift exchange. And Joy drew Michelle. And I don't know about you, um, but I was not expecting the parents to be included in this.
2: No, I kinda wasn't either. Like
1: I thought this was a kids and siblings thing, but I right. guess not. Um <laughs> like, I'm sure they included themselves so that each only had to have to put thought into buying for, like, one kid each. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're like, they might be paying for the other gifts in the sense that, like, they're giving money or something like that. But, right. like, I don't... They didn't want to have to do the thinking. They're like, you come up with the fucking gift from Goodwill for this kid, not me. Yeah. Why are they included? It's so weird. <laughs> um, Joy also says that cousin Famy drew her name and, quote, I'm glad that Amy drew it because she buys some good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and I forgot to say that Joy said that um, buying for Canon is hard because she doesn't know what she likes. She doesn't
2: know what she and likes. And I'm
1: thinking, it's okay, Joy. She doesn't know what she likes either.
2: <laughs> so
1: it's fine. Fu- you're good. Whatever you
2: know? your dad likes.
1: Like, remember the whole birthday, like candle mm-hmm. when they're calling about that? And he was like, uh, yeah, uh yeah. yeah. The woman hasn't known what she's liked since she was 17. <laughs> it, it all ended there. She has no yep. fucking clue either. So yep. don't worry about it, Joy.
2: I do have a little bit of sympathy for her only because my dad is... My parents are hard to shop for because they don't have any hobbies.
1: You're saying sympathy for joy? Yeah. In
2: that feeling of her being like, I don't know what my mom likes. My parents don't have hobbies. And I feel like whenever they need something or want something, they just buy it. So like buying them stuff is absolutely impossible and even when i would ask like hey what do you what do you kind of want for christmas this year my dad would be like i want you to take a vacation
1: (laughs) i can't give that to you
2: that's not an answer give me an answer (laughs) yeah i just want i just want you to take some time off from work that's not me getting anything for you
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> appreciate the sentiment but that's not what i yeah for real <laughs> yeah um i did i want to sidestep for a second though but this whole talk of like kids buying gifts i love seeing the gifts that kids pick out for adults like mm. little kids i fucking love it like or just like get you know we've talked about it like when mm. before like when a kid all they have to give you is this like oh, i don't like random things like my tim likes grape flavored stuff so like when my niece like saved up everything that she came across that was grape mm-hmm. for a while and then she was like she saved it for uncle tim or yep <laughs> but um a couple years ago i had my nephew over for a christmas sleepover and part of it was that i took him to 99 cents only where things are not 99 cents anymore by the way um I took him to 99 cents only to shop for gifts for his parents and he picked out like a purple with like an, an ornate design on it casserole dish for his father and i kept being like are you sure fop are you sure and he was like yep my dad will love it and i'm like "Yep, you sure about that and he was like yep he'll lo-. and so and, and for my sister he got like a fake um poinsettia like a mini made sense because she has big ones in her house for Mm -hmm. christmas i'm like okay so he was he saw something that she already has and likes makes sense but i'm I'm like what about this purple (laughs) casserole dish it's like screaming your father's name So I was like, and you know, like we wrapped it and like, I was like, take it. And he like, he had it under the Christmas tree and I was like texting them. like, I cannot wait for you to see what Bob <laughs> insisted you would love. And so like when he opened it, he's like, well, I got uh, it. And I'm like, he said you were going to love it. So, <laughs> and he's like, I so love, you it. love it.
3: <laughs> like,
1: I just oh. love seeing what kids are like, they're going to love Yeah. We're like little, same little Elsa that picked out all the grape stuff. Mm-hmm. Like one year, um. She got me, like, a napkin holder because it had, like, a like a cutout in the middle of it that was, like, a knife and a fork and a spoon. And she was like, you're a chef. Yeah. <laughs> and do you remember what she got you?
2: I don't remember that year. A
1: tortilla warmer? Like oh, yeah. Like, the holder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she gave our, our brother-in-law. He's actually Filipino. She gave him chopsticks. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: it's so thoughtful.
1: Sorry. You're right. Yeah, I'm okay. But I just think it's so funny that, that she little just thing like, that she latched on to. Like she was to like, that was "Oh, like, uh-huh. like <laughs> you like tortillas," and he she's must, not wrong. He must want chopsticks. <laughs> 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 I just love seeing what little kids mm, pick out. It's I funny. think it's so sweet. Or no, oh, I'll 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 refrain from another story. I'll, I'll move on. You don't need to. I was just thinking about that fucking cat pin that Bob gave me.
2: Oh yeah, you saw it the other day.
1: I need to start wearing it every day of December. So, you know, my birthday's in December. And a, like two years ago, my on my birthday, my sister was like, oh, we're we're heading over. He's he's gung-ho. He has to give it. And I'll have to find the post I made because I made a post like the next day at work, mm-hmm. like with a picture of me wearing it. And I think I described the entire encounter like, mm-hmm. world, like through the whole thing. But it was a fucking whirlwind. Like he was just walking in the house and he was just like, here, and here's your gift. And then he starts like unwrapping it for me
3: yep yep
1: he just like started unwrapping it and he, and he was like and you're gonna love it and, and 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 i do love it it's a cat like brooch pin mm-hmm. of a cat wearing a santa hat yep. but the whole thing happened so fast i couldn't oh, even yeah. like answer him he was just like <laughs> and we're here and here's your birthday and you're gonna and I'm like do you want me to help you unwrap it here you go and he just like unwrapped <laughs> it and gave it to me <laughs> so,
2: uh, i gotta wear me. that pin yeah
1: oh he's so cute
2: I do have one potential bingo square before you move on. Oh, yeah? I have a their real children bingo square.
1: I think I remember thinking this. Um, yes, but I didn't write down what... It, so,
2: as they're showing all the children going through a Goodwill and and looking and thinking about who they got, you know, what gifts they're going to get, Um, two of the boys, and I, I don't think I wrote down who it was... Um. Two of the boys, one of them was like, oh, I got him to the camera. And he puts on like a set of these like fuzzy bunny ears and he goes, hold on, let me pull up my, let me pull up my fancy notes here like you. And he says, I'm going to buy you these. They look perfect. And then he like takes them off angrily. That felt like a real sibling moment. Yeah. And I thought it was... I, uh, So, I'm potentially putting it out there for their real children, Square.
1: I will accept it. They're real children, sometimes.
2: They look perfect. He was so, like, <laughs> like sibling sassy.
1: <laughs> so, now it's four days before Christmas, and they're pre- like preparing baked goods that they're going to be giving away. And there's a funny part where our girl and the Dancing King... They're, they're walking into the kitchen, and Jill asks if they're going to help peel apples, because she had just called the kids to come help on the intercom. Mm-hmm. And Jackson is like, no, but I'm going to video you guys doing it. Yep. <laughs> and he's holding a small digital camera, and he's clearly playing like cameraman, mm-hmm. as he asks, hey, Jill, what are you guys making? Are you guys gonna <laughs> got that
2: from his dad?
1: <laughs> yeah, and she's like, "Whoa!" And she's kind of like laughing. She's like, "We're making apple crisp," and he's like, "Are you guys gonna bring it to the fireman and to the police station?" <laughs> so it's just kind of cute because mm-hmm. he's just like, "No, nah, I'm not gonna fucking help, but I am gonna but film I will you
2: document." <laughs> yeah.
1: So um, they've made pans of apple crisp. They've baked cookies, and they even included some balls of just the cookie dough. So they start to pack it all up and they're getting ready to head out.
2: Did you see Joy doing the cinnamon challenge with one of those pans? Oh
1: yeah, she was.
2: Cuz they have like we we get spices in in like pound containers. So they're like these skinny like think about like the large shakers that you can buy some stuff in Costco at the grocery store. And, yeah. Like, yeah. Um of like seasonings. We get in the industry that's like the small version of what we get. We don't get like the little like home-sized ones. But yeah, so she had one of those of ground cinnamon, and she was obliterating that pad with cinnamon.
1: I do love cinnamon, though, so I'd probably... (laughs) I hate fucking baked apples, but I like cinnamon. (laughs) So, um, in a talking head with our favorite little duo, our girl and the king, our dancing king says, we gave them cookies and Play-Doh, I think. Did we? (laughs) And our girl is like, not (laughs) Play-Doh. So that was kind of funny. So they show up at the police department. They actually end up going to like two different ones to give their gifts of appreciation. And also Jill hands them a notebook and asks for all of their autographs. Mm-hmm. Which I felt like I'm like, did she feel embarrassed?
2: <laughs> like being
1: like fucking how old is she? Like 18. And she's like, can we have your autograph?
2: She didn't look like she was that embarrassed. See, but I still do think it's funny. Like we, I talked about in the last one that like Jill had to take charge when they went down to like El Salvador.
1: Oh, she's still charging it up. She's here.
2: oh yeah. She's leading the way. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you have to fall into traditional like sibling age roles, but like you would assume that it would have been like Jana doing something she wasn't. Nope. nope.
1: Jill's running the show.
2: Yeah, Jill's like asserting herself right now.
1: Um, on the autograph thing, when I was a when I was a kid, my grandparents gave all on my dad's side, gave all the grandkids this my book about me. It's like made by like the people that did like dr seuss books so it's like made in that style and it's like draw your hand i'm this tall my favorite i do remember that Mm -hmm. um and there was one page that was like a bunch of autographs and it would be like the the grocery clerk the policeman the whatever and i was like i never was able to get any of the, my parents didn't do shit. They didn't take me anywhere to like get these things. So, but I remember being kind of honestly way too old for the book, but then still wanting to get like some Mm -hmm. of them filled out. So my best friend's dad was a police officer. So I remember like one time at a sleepover trying to like, kind of like sneak it in. And then like randomly I went up to him and I'm like, will you sign my book? and like he's i and i even felt i felt like such a fucking dork in the moment but i was still like but just sign my book please and then let's just let me go put this back in my duffel and be done and we'll with this and we never mo- talk yeah about and this i'm like again. can you just do this real quick and i go put it back in my bag and we act like this mm. never happened <laughs> i remember asking the grocery store guy though he was like excited that's cute. it was the produce man i asked the produce man that's cute he was like yeah
2: all labor deserves respect
1: Then we get a Janna Speaks square.
2: Yeah, I'm glad Uh, we're getting some new ones like right away, you know.
1: Do you think any of those were our girl, Johanna? I mean, we said she was cute like twice.
2: The moment that I remarked for it was at the end of the episode.
1: Okay, so we'll wait. I'll wait for your big. uh, Why can't I find Janna? God damn it.
2: Millie says, you're the one that made these boards.
1: I know I made an abundance and, and today I didn't even hand him one. I said, you have to pick it yourself. I'm not doing I'm not doing this shit where it will be my problem because I gave you a bad board. I mixed them all up and I was like, and you pick.
2: You got yourself last season.
1: So but it's different every week now. <laughs> Alright, so Jana speaks is because Cinder Jana finally gets a talking head.
2: Yes she does.
1: They ask her if she if she was pulled over by the police, would she still bring them cookies? And she says, Yes I would. I'll probably bring them more. And she laughs. Yep. They also go to a couple of fire stations where they let them go for rides in the fire trucks and things like that. Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Yada, yada. Yoder, yoder.
2: (laughs) Yoder, yoder.
1: So in Little Rock, Baby Cannon is allowed to touch Josie for the very first time
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, a few days after her birth. It's a very short scene. I'm only bringing it up just so we know that the baby finally gets a little like skin to skin type thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Back at Legoland, it is now two days before Christmas, and they're preparing for a Christmas party, and apparently, it's the first time they've ever even had a Christmas party, and now they're doing it when their parents aren't even there, so a lot going on,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: or, or, you know, I mean, who can blame them, though? They're like, oh. Finally. Yeah, you know, right? That's the time I'd throw a party. The work's going to
2: be the same, (laughs) but the awkwardness won't be there.
1: Exactly. They're like, this is the time to do it. (laughs) I don't blame them and you know little Justin is quite vocal this episode (laughs) more than we're used to so Joy is asking if they're allowed to eat the sugar cookies which clearly they're decorating for the party later that night Mm -hmm. and Justin says "Uh uh-uh you're supposed to save them for the people there's like a hundred thousand people coming tonight (laughs) he was very concerned for his guests and I I found it quite you know, I I found that I found it cute. I found it admirable. He was concerned for the guest experience.
2: Mhm. Yep.
1: Good on you, Justin.
2: Yep. Entertain entertainer that one.
1: Hostess with the motherfucking mostess, Justin not joy. Uh, we very briefly see footage from the party. Looks like there's just under 100,000 people. <laughs> not by much, but just under.
2: We can't confirm whether they all got cookies, though. We cannot. That's true.
1: Um, And then that very same night, after the party is over, they load up the bus and head to Little Rock to be with their parents for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Which, that's just so much for these kids to manage. Like, it's insane to me. Mm -hmm. So, run a household. I mean, I know that's normal. But run a household. (laughs) Throw a fucking Christmas party for 100,000 people. Then pack up the whole family with enough stuff for Christmas out of town yep. and drive yep. for three hours. Mm-hmm. It's crazy.
2: It's a lot.
1: Like, that's crazy. I'm exhausted. <laughs> like, that's too much. Yeah. But, like, that's just normal, like, for them. Crazy. And I don't know who these fucking crazy people are, but some friends of the Duggars are letting them stay in their house for Christmas.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And they must be saints because I could never. I would never.
2: <laughs> Even if you knew you were going to be out of town for an extended period of time. I would
1: never let those people stay in my house.
2: Them specifically or just somebody?
1: Them specifically. <laughs> and it's a nice house.
2: It is a nice house. Like I'm yeah. looking at
1: their light colored couches and I'm like, oh dear God, somebody, I hope those, I hope the couches have protection. Like <laughs> I would never. I would never. And it's a nice house. Yeah. Those are some good friends I got.
2: <laughs> or they have a really good maid service.
1: For fucking real. <laughs> um, And then on Christmas Eve, the kids gift Lego hair and baby can in a photo book. Scott from the crew helped them with it. He took professional photos of them. They did some in studio and then some at a mill. And they showed it very briefly earlier. Mm-hmm. This Again, this episode was really... They've <laughs> been
2: planning it for a long time, though, and I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. They said they kept it a secret by telling them that they were doing interviews and like other things. Mm -hmm. Um, Pictures turned out really nice.
2: Yeah, really good. They look
1: nice. And then the episode closes out with them opening gifts on Christmas morning.
2: Mm -hmm. When they present them with the book, there's the standard dad joke of, should we save the wrapping paper? So Lego makes his. You think that was a joke? Oh, I thought. I mean, he was being serious, but I think most other. Most of their dads would be would be saying that anyway. Um, and then the, we do have a, a very awkward kiss at the end of it in uh, front of all their children.
1: Oh, I had that at the very, very end of the episode. Is there two then?
2: Oh, really? Yeah, because they did it when they were talking about the book before they moved on to the last scene.
1: Okay. I have it as like the episode ends with the tight-lipped kiss.
2: It probably does. There was surprisingly lack of Lego hands with the amount of time I, that he I, was talking.
1: I was watching and, and I even gonna... I was like, should I go back and rewatch some parts?
2: Right, like I thought when he was talking to the family, Me too, like, like in the hospital nothing... room.
1: Yeah, I was like, oh, because if we haven't explained, because I don't think we had a last episode. Yeah, one of ours is Lego hands referring to that when he talks, when he does that wide where yeah. his he really spreads his fingers too, <laughs> and then his hands are really wide, and it's like the shake up and down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But so while they're opening gifts, I did I did notice a couple things. Okay. First of all, it looks like our, our guy Jackson, he got new boots.
2: Oh, the best part. But they were
1: new boots.
2: The best part.
1: Because first of all, when I saw them instantly, I'm like, those look new because they, they look shiny and nice. And then they still had the strings. Yep. I'm like, that is brand new. What What would you like to say about the boots?
2: No, I was just saying this was my oh. favorite scene of that entire thing because he did that little kid thing where... He stood up and he goes,
1: "I got boots." Yeah, he's so excited.
2: Yep, he was pumped. And then he like calls out to his brother across the way, and I don't remember which one he talked to, but he like yelled his name and then went, "I got boots again!" Like you know, it was adorable. He's pumped. Adorable.
1: Well, it's like remember that time that like Joy was fixing someone's boots with duct tape and then coloring it black. Mm-hmm. Yep. Boots are a big deal around yeah. here. Yeah. Yep. And then the second thing I noticed. Okay, so we know that Pringles are a big thing, right? We've seen them. We saw a Pest packing many a Pringles in his <laughs> um, in his trip to Florida. Mm-hmm. We uh, Michelle talked about how they get like we've seen them snacking on them around the house. Mm-hmm. But then when Michelle talked about how like that, along with beef jerky, goes in their gift bags. Yeah, their Christmas, their personalized gift bags. <sighs> It's a fucking stocking, but they don't do Santa, so it's not a fucking Uh, stocking. Um, And I remember thinking to myself, I wonder how they feel about Lay's stacks, or is it just Pringles? There was stacks this year. Really? There was a a can of stacks.
2: Wow. So So they're just in general into formed, pressed, stackable potato
1: products. Stackable potato products of any kind. Yeah. If you can stack them. Don't give
2: me. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Don't get me wrong. I do love a Pringle. Certain flavors are really good, but it's the most inferior chip.
1: Oh, by far! Like, like and I've,
2: calling it a chip is a stretch.
1: Yeah, yeah, i i bought I bought them for the sleepover this weekend mm-hmm. with my nieces because I'm a fucking sucker. For, for their Christmas for marketing. their Christmas marketing, so it's like the Pringle man dressed as Santa, the Pringle man dressed as Nutcracker, an elf, the Pringle man as a Nutcracker in the fucking cart, you know. Yeah, but um, I mean, they're they're they are an inferior.
2: Don't yeah, you can't even potato I, snack. I, I,
1: I started to say chip, and he was like, no, 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 they're <laughs> inferior. I mean, I'm not saying I won't eat them. Don't get me wrong.
2: Exactly same. But I brought you- some meat whole loaf. M- meat whole loaf. What
1: the fuck was that?
2: I brought some meatloaf home the other day, and I had that and some Pringles, and it was a pretty good well, meal. When you
1: think about it, it's made with potato flakes, <laughs> mashed potatoes, crappy mashed potatoes <laughs> yeah. are made with potato flakes. You basically yeah. had meatloaf and mashed potatoes.
2: Yeah, it's true.
1: <laughs> that were a little dried out. Um, but yeah, so lay stacks. If, they wow. can, if you can stack them, they'll pack them.
2: So, so they're not brand, that's pretty good. Yep. They're not brand loyal. No, they're not. Okay. Wow.
1: I just wanted to point that out. And I was looking to make sure I didn't see a stocking. I didn't see a stocking. (laughs)
2: Uh, And
1: somebody else had to do the happy birthday Jesus sign. Yeah. Usually that's that's Michelle's thing. And because Mm -hmm. she was gone, I mean, this whole year is just thrown off.
2: She did not make a banner.
1: I'm wondering if the whole lace stacks thing is because it's a thrown off year. Maybe they couldn't (laughs) find their preferred Pringle.
2: She's like, see what happens when we leave the household?
1: Get the wrong chips. Just get get the wrong crisps. crisps. Yeah. Crisps, crisps
2: none of them are crips <laughs> or bloods that was a gang joke
1: and that's all i got for the episode
2: yeah my handy moment was there was a oh there was a uh talking head with with the duo i don't know we got to come up with a good nickname for them um but as he's talking you can tell she's doing that little kid thing where she's kind of rocking back and forth on her stool and then as he's talking she like falls forward and you can tell that she like catches herself and she kind of did it on purpose but she as he's talking she starts to fall forward and goes whoa and then you see her like pop back up really fast and i was like that's such a little handy thing where she like purposefully took a dive and then popped back up yeah so that was my our girl handy moment
1: well that means that we got five squares
2: mm-hmm.
1: best i got was three
2: um i was yeah i got three and that's why i was disappointed that we didn't get lego hands because that would have gotten me on the four i'm missing lego hands and dugger time
1: i'm missing dugger time and ginger face to get yeah Mm.
2: can i have a moment to go back can i have a go back that used to be when i was working in hotels and we had our like corporate manager meetings they'd be like can i have a go back all right so my go back goes to the intro because this is the first real non-special episode with the new intro. So I want to make a couple notes. There is a remix of the original theme.
1: Yeah. And at first, it doesn't even sound like it. And mm-hmm. then you're like, okay, no, it is it. It just sounds really different.
2: Yeah. And I noticed it when they're kind of winding it down after she intros all the children. And then they're talking about their lives and they show them like doing school and Stuff like that. So that's the remix to the intro. Um obviously we talked about how the budget is a lot higher. So, you know, some of the visuals are a little bit cleaner or a little bit of the air. You can tell they got a little bit of cash. But my quick rapid fire notes about the intro, because we always talked about how um who is it? Hanny was funny and who was the one that was all sassy? Was it Joy? Like, in her little intro, she was the only one that had, like, any sort of emotion.
1: Well, Jill had her hair thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Ginger would give the thumbs up.
2: Yep. So, in the newest ones, Jessa does a hair flip. So, she is now hair flip. Um, Jeremiah has that thoughtful, put my finger and thumb on my chin. He has that one. Um, Jason has the, I'm a smart aleck arm cross. From from an intro, and I then... haven't heard
1: the phrase "smart Alec" in a number of years. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that one up. Yes,
2: uh... my mom used to tell me,
1: "Don't be a smart Alec." <laughs> I'm like who the fuck's Alec?
2: Because I know because they didn't want to they didn't want to say ass. The last one I had was that Hanny like does Hanny absolutely cannot stop moving.
1: Did she know. And
2: even in her intro she like spins around and like has to like catch herself. So please pay attention to the intros when you watch them the episode. Um but I love it. I think it's a good think it's a good intro and I just wanted to recap the highlights from all the children.
1: All right. Well, thank you for that recap.
2: Yep. What do you think, Mildred? Okay. She says, <laughs> "Yeah, Merrick." <laughs>
1: Today, we're going to be digging into what IBLP teaches regarding some of the things surrounding the birth of baby Josie. He's going to be
2: good with how thorough their medical training is.
1: Yes. (laughs) So first, we're going to start off with gallstones. Interestingly enough, there is an entire basic care bulletin devoted to the subject of gallstones. Interesting. The other stones got the shaft, though. I don't the, the gall. See, <laughs> I don't see any booklets dedicated to kidney or tonsil stones. Rolling, <laughs> so they don't have as good of an agent as you would say. That's true. Um, their manager isn't booking in like marketing them the way they deserve. So no,
3: nope, not at all.
1: Only the gall manager was, you know, <laughs> PRs putting in work. <laughs> so it's Basic Care Bulletin Number Six, and it's titled "Understanding the Prevention and Treatment of Gallstones." The booklet is sixteen pages long and a good chunk of it actually isn't total and complete bullshit. Okay. It does detail things that are correct, like what the gallbladder's function is. I hope to God they would get that right. You know what I mean? Like mm. it's not like they're doing anything great by not getting this right. Right, <laughs> but, right, right. Um, so there's like the function of the gallbladder, the types of gallstones that there are, the symptoms of a gallbladder attack, like Luckily they got those things like <laughs> seemingly okay. Okay. But of course, detailing the facts that that's not that exciting. That's not really what we're here for. So let's skip the science lesson and get straight to the bullshit. <laughs> Under a section titled Factors Relating to the Formation of Cholesterol Gallstones, which is one of the two.
2: Okay.
1: The first thing they talk about is diet. So you're like, okay. Whatever. It's the second factor that'll really get you. And that factor is harboring bitterness.
2: Oh, okay.
1: It says gallstones are, quote, formed by an imbalance in the chemical makeup of bile. It is a well-established fact that emotions upset the chemistry of the body. And bitterness is one of the most destructive emotions to the body. Okay. Okay. So you can see where we're going here. Yeah. So let's dig into how they ended up here, shall we? He says that the definition of bile and its relationship to bitterness is significant in that the word bile means bitter. But that's not all. (laughs) It continues that the New Testament word for gall is cole, and cole comes from a root word which means green. And green is the color of bile. And in the scriptures, the world the word is also used of um like for wormwood and is associated with bitterness.
2: This is like really loose word association. Yeah. It's like if I have an issue with my hamstring tendon, they're gonna be like, maybe the issue was that you eat too much, too much ham. ham. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, those <laughs> things aren't uh... <laughs>
1: And you were playing that string instrument on the wrong beats. <laughs> exactly. So it's like that you were eating ham while eating, you know, like, yeah. Wrong. We- yeah, hamster. You know, that's it. It also says that the Greek word that we get the term, which for gallbladder surgery, which is um cholecyst- cholecystectomy. Oh, don't whatever. Get yeah. Did I say that right? Probably cholecystectomy. Whatever. Um, chole refers to bile, and um like or yeah, they put it with a K means bladder. Weird and ectomy means a cutting out. And finally that the words cholesterol also comes from the Greek word cole. Okay, so I know I just hit you with a lot, like lots of definitions and origins, but I felt it was important to set up this next part. How all of this relates back to the Bible.
0: Oh, apparently.
1: Man. When Simon made his highly improper request, that's their exact wording, <laughs>
3: okay.
1: to buy the power of the Holy Spirit from Peter, Peter recognized that Simon was in the gall of bitterness and must have warned him of several destructive consequences that would come to his life if he did not repent of his bitterness. So um, this word means this, that word derives from this. Simon was bitter, so now your gallstones mean you might be a bitter bitch. Just so everyone's tracking. Like, it's a whole lot of just... It's a whole lot.
2: Wow. Okay.
1: It also says, quote, Millions of Americans suffer from gallstones and millions of Americans allow themselves to be bitter.
3: Oh, 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 oh wow
1: <laughs> not all people who have gallstones are bitter michelle is like Woof! <laughs> 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 um, yet this is one contributing factor that needs to be investigated if we are to remove the cause of gallstones instead of simply removing them
2: i mean did you know that this is a fact that always blows my mind a hundred percent of the people that have died on the planet drank water
1: Oof, you're right.
2: Has anyone looked into that? Yep. What's our research money going into?
1: Mm-hmm. They warn that most people who are suffering from bitterness don't even realize they're bitter. Yeah. Or they're calling it by a different name.
3: Oh, okay.
1: So some examples they give. So you may just think your rebellious kid is a burden, but that's actually bitterness. Okay. I just look at you and I see a big giant burden. I didn't know I was bitter too. You know. <laughs> also that you may just think you're having a conflict with your wife. That's also bitterness. Okay. Basically bitterness seems to be anything besides complete and utter joy. That at least that's uh, the picture I'm uh, th- the picture I'm seeing in this painting. So, that's what I'm saying. Well, yes. He reminds us that all Christians are instructed to watch that no root of bitterness springs up in themselves or in others and damages their lives. Oh. And then Billy G gives an extra word of caution to women because who isn't looking out for the well-being of women if not Bill Gothard. Am I right? Oh, yeah. I mean, who who else is but him? Yeah. He says, quote, Women should be especially alert to conquering bitterness because gallstones occur three times as frequently in women as in men. Okay. He's just he's just looking out for women. Yeah. It has nothing to do with getting women to keep sweet and go with the flow and stay in line, like even by even more by like scaring them into thinking that even the slightest twinge of Bitterness.
2: We'll give them gallstones. Yeah. It mm-hmm. might
1: result in, like, you know, physical pain and possibly the surgical removal of an organ, you know? Yep. Nothing to do with all of that. He's just looking out. No big deal. It is true that statistically women suffer from it more than men, but it's the spin of how it's women and their bitterness is the mm-hmm. issue. And yep. that's what they do. There's these little parts that are not entirely untrue, it's the spin of. Mm-hmm. Or it's where they take it to, or it's yep. how they use it to have more guilt and shame and fear and you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he's not um giving out he's not done giving out advice to women and heeding warnings. He also says, quote, the incidence of gallstones is also higher in women who take birth control pills and in those who have tubal ligations. So he had to work in the like the procreation angle somehow you
2: know oh yeah gotta cover all the bases yeah
1: he found an opportunity and he had to take it like two birds one gallstone you know he just had to
2: there it is she did it
1: he had to take the opportunity and just so you um you believe what they're saying even more this section ends with the case study because case study that makes it like legit you know
2: well yeah it seems very official
1: So I'm actually going to read it in its entirety, but it's not too long. A 35-year-old woman followed every diet plan she knew about in order to lose weight. Whenever she was successful in losing weight, she put the pounds back on after she ended the diet. Okay. By the time she attended the first basic seminar, she was convinced that her lot in life was to be obese. During the week, however, she was convicted about her bitterness toward her mother, and she then asked her mother to forgive her a joyful new fellowship was established between the woman and her mother then as an added reward she discovered that the eating disciplines she had been ineffective before suddenly began to work through a regular program of nutritional eating and fasting she lost 50 pounds during the next year that's the end of the story
2: (laughs) there's not a whole lot of meat on that bone what
1: the fuck does that have to do with gallstones (laughs)
2: i mean it's bad enough
1: that they're selling that bitterness is the cause of them yeah but at the very fucking least maybe include gallstones in the damn case study you know (laughs) like try a little harder i kept waiting for them to bring up gallstones right and i'm like oh it just never it never happened
2: she talked to her mother the end
1: and they just wanted to be able to bring up yet again how women you can't be fat
2: yeah, that's true. There's a lot of body shaming, like under the table body shaming oh, yeah. happens.
1: So they random, they threw in this random story in there and they're like, eh, it's close enough. <laughs> like some poor, like unpaid IBLP teenager is like, um, but the story doesn't even mention gallstones and they're like, print it. Like, so
2: it's like an elf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do the kids care what go- goes on with a duck and a dog or whatever it is?
1: Yeah, they're just like, print it. Like, But they, but you don't even bring up gallstones. But they love the books. But they love, but the children love the books. <laughs> but it all makes a little more sense when we get to the section titled Evaluating Various Treatments for Gallstones. Oh, God. The first section discusses a high-fiber diet, but section two is titled Fasting Regularly. And it specifically says gallstones tend to form in midlife Uh. To, fu- to form in midlife and are mostly found in overweight women.
2: Oh, uh, there it is.
1: Any oppor- stick that one in there. Any opportunity to work in that women shouldn't be fat. And hey, have you tried not eating? <laughs> they will. They'll take it. And just to sell it even more, it tops it off with, quote, in addition to the health benefits of fasting, there are also the rewards of increased wisdom. Keen oh. spiritual discernment is needed in making wise health care decisions.
2: I know people that have lost weight that are not very smart. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You're like those two things aren't correlated. Yeah. Like the the weight that you are and the and the knowledge and wisdom that you have. I know some really dumb and, skinny people.
1: Yeah, and they're like, oh, "Oh, I I keep waiting on that increased wisdom to kick Weird. To, to kick in." <laughs> um The fat phobia, though, and the shamey is just so intertwined in all IBLP messaging, specifically Mm -hmm. towards women. Yep. It's sickening. Like, and that's what I like. It is just in these, like, I mean, we talked about their whole, like, weight thing or whatever, but besides that, like, they're just like, I'm going to throw in a little sentence or two here and another sentence or here. But the messaging is, hey, when you women, you can't have fat. Yep. You have to be, you have to. Be thin. You have to look good. Hey, fast and you know, and um, you'll also, you know, like be smarter maybe. like, <laughs> like I'm crazy. telling you
2: this for you. This is for your benefit.
1: It's crazy. It then goes on to promote a gallbladder flush as a means of treatment. And this flush entails mixing and drinking olive oil with some form of juice. Usually okay. lemon, grape, or apple. And the reasoning behind it is that drinking oil triggers strong contractions of the gallbladder and that as it releases large amounts of bile to digest the olive oil, the gallbladder gallbladder expels the stones. Okay. It then follows three case studies of people who said that they've done this and passed their gallstones. One actually claims to have passed 127 stones. Oh my god. So I'm... How
2: bitter were they?
1: <laughs> really fucking bitter. Really bitter. Jeez. Now, I'm, is it like one stone per thing of bitterness? Yeah, what's the going Or like, is it just rate? like, hey, in this relationship, I'm really bitter, that, bitter so that's like 10 stones. Mm-hmm. And this other one, it's minor, so you're just like a two stone. Right. Is there like a system?
2: I don't know how to quantify is there like it.
1: A, is there like a chart? A tra- yeah, An is equivalency? there a chart Yeah. So I'm not a doctor or a medical worker of any kind, nor am I a scientist. So I looked up this rather briefly, and it does seem to be a thing that people try, but according to articles I read, including ones written by the Mayo Clinic, there isn't really research to back it up besides these kind of anecdotal or testimonial type stories. Okay. And they specifically said that what people think are past stones are actually globs of oil and juice and other matter. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I'm just saying, take it as you see fit. If you want to go guzzle some olive oil and juice and you think it might help you, who am I to tell you not to? Now, if um, you want a
2: little bit of extra flavor, can you just make like a vinaigrette?
1: I mean, you've already got olive oil and lemon. That's pretty good. That's what I put on my arugula. Yeah. So, well, maybe a little couple turns of black pepper, fresh ground black pepper, a little little pinch of kosher.
2: Got to make it interesting. Yeah.
1: So, you know, take with it what you want. I don't fucking know. But to me, saying you passed one hundred and twenty-seven stones like that easily in such a short amount of time, I, a little far fetched for my for my taste. <laughs> but take with that what you will.
2: Yeah, it's just like you didn't have to go that far. Like if you're gonna perpetuate a lie to to prove your point, like make it a believable lie. When you go so far to the side, it just makes it seem outlandish.
1: Well, I mean, to this person's credit, they said they did 100 the first turn, 27 the second time. Yeah. So, I mean, oh. it's, di- it's not oh. all at once. It's two times. But 100? I'm like, 100 that first time, really?
2: It Once again, it's just like, come on.
1: And finally, I'll close out the gallbladder portion of this dig with this part. It ends with the section listing off the reasons why you should avoid having your gallbladder removed. And one of those reasons is, quote... If the cause of the gallstones was bitterness or an excessive consumption of fat and the patient is not helped to forgive his offenders or change his diet, it is no wonder that the condition will continue to damage his body as well as his mind, will, and emotions. That bitterness, it'll get you.
2: Man, every time.
1: And also kind of funny because um, on a different point or reason why you should avoid having your gallbladder removed they use Mayo Clinic statistics about people continuing to have sy- symptoms after removal. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was kind of funny because earlier I had pulled Mayo Clinic <laughs> research saying oh, that they were using saying the that there one. was no real evidence to their flushing. So it was just kind of funny for them to then be like, oh, and the Mayo Clinic says, so I'm like, oh, I also went to the Mayo Clinic. Jeez. <laughs> so, just kind of funny. But I think what they're talking about with the continued symptoms, like my sister had her gallbladder removed and initially there was a, like, some symptoms but now years later she's okay yeah so i'm like are you just referring to like initial aftermath because that's a little bit different than like yeah down the line Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but before we move on to the next topic i think it's relevant to bring up how jill had to have her gallbladder removed six weeks after after having her last son freddie so, timeline-wise, that was just a few weeks after the ending to her book, where she lets Lego hair inside her house and allows him to hold and get a picture with Freddy. hmm Michelle actually helped assist in her recovery. And, um, spoiler alert, him, we will see more about Michelle's gallbladder issues in the future. Okay. But I'm sure when Jill had to have her gallbladder removed, Lego hair was, like, foaming at the mouth, being like, see? She's <laughs> it's so all this bitterness full of bitterness.
3: She's
1: bitterness. Yeah, it's IBLP teachings like excels at giving people like him ammunition to decide that there's evidence of bitterness or consequences that are res- the result of disobedience of authority and mm-hmm. you know they're all seen as an opportunity to prove their points of what they don't like about you your life your behavior right. your decision making rather than just the fact that life is full of shit you can't necessarily control
2: oh yeah I, it's a system built to perpetuate control
1: yeah because they can take any one thing and find something this is the way we keep saying that like mm-hmm. any one thing that can go wrong and then it'll be like well
3: you're See. doing something wrong mm-hmm
1: Yep. Figure out what it is. Yep. So that's the gall on bladders. Now let's move into another teaching of IBLP related to Josie's birth. And that, of course, is the topic of C sections. This topic is covered in Basic Care bulletin in number seven. Ironically, the one right after gallstones. They're in order, yeah. so it kind of worked out. And it's titled How to Avoid unnecessary c-sections and it is 40 pages long oh my god so i'll really be zeroing in on some very specific things i think bill gothard and IBLP's stance towards c-sections is pretty well laid out you know we get a good foundation in the first section of the booklet which is the history of c-sections once you get past the definitions word origins he loves that you know (laughs) of course um they say quote whether cesarean section is elective surgery or emergency surgery, the reason that it should be done is to save the life and health of, health of the mother and her baby. Which at first, you know, at first thought, you might think, okay, that's fine, Dandy. Of course, you want to save the life of the mother and baby.
2: It's everything with this group.
1: But the subtext or messaging here is really that saving the life is the only reason to have a C-section. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to be less obvious in their wording. But that's oh, of course. that's definitely what they're getting at. Cuz it was like the reason it should be done is to save the life. They just left out only.
3: That's it. <laughs> that's
1: the only thing there. Yeah. So it goes on to lay more of the groundwork for this messaging by saying, quote, "Approximately 5% of all births are complicated enough to need a cesarean section. However, the percentage of births by cesarean section in the United States continues to increase wow so i'm just gonna name a few but they're like 1970 it was 5.5 percent of all births Mm -hmm. 1979 14.1 percent 85 21.6 percent 87 24.4 and then it says 1989 rates not yet available but in parentheses it says 70 percent in some hospitals So the however in that statement is a very judgy however. Of course. It's like only 5% of you really need a C-section, <laughs> but a v- bunch of you are getting them all like willy-nilly.
2: Well, yeah. And I think you'll see that that mindset across a lot of topics.
1: Yeah. It goes on to say that the U.S. ranks 15th at the time for infant mortality But yet yet U.S. women are having two times more C-sections than women in countries with lower infant mortality rates. So basically they're saying there's not enough infant death in the United States to justify all the C-sections women are getting.
2: Yeah, it's just the women that are having issues. Who cares?
1: More babies have to die before it can be allowed. They're like, this number's too high. There's not enough dead babies to There's a dead baby threshold. They're like, to justify these Mm C-sections.
2: The dead baby quotient has not been fulfilled yet
1: yep it also says quote we can see then that cesarean sections are on the rise in the united states with no correlation of improved health for either mother or babies so again messaging is there they're just like trying to make it sound like oh well we're just like providing some statistics and like you know
2: plausible deniability
1: it also has a picture of house of a house like in the corner um of the page And the caption underneath it says, cesarean surgery was not commonly regarded as a viable alternative to normal birth until the 1930s when hospitals began to replace the home as a place for giving birth.
2: So. I mean, once again, you're putting together two things. Yeah, how many... How many pregnant women when they were giving birth at home were able to... Have a seat. (laughs) Exactly. Like... (laughs) It's the same mindset of, there's a comedian I like that talks about, um, he hates when people use statistics. He's like, I remember when me and my wife were thinking of getting a pool. Yeah, my chances of drowning if I don't have a pool are zero. (laughs) Like, yeah. how many women could give themselves a C-section? None, you idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh,
1: God. Oh, yeah. So... And the, the whole theme of all of this is that they're kind of saying it without saying it, but the, also they're still kind of saying it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, you pick up what they're putting down. Yeah. The tone is that C-sections are not to be considered unless it's a life or death situation. Mm-hmm. So now before we get into all this, I do want to say something. So not even getting to the actual part about parenting and being a mother in this world. That's a whole other topic. But even just pregnancy and birth Alone. It's hard enough. Exhausting. Painful. Scary. Emotionally taxing. There's just. There's a lot going on. And like we talked about when discussing Jill's book. Giving birth is a risk. One that sometimes. I think we sort of forget. Just because we do have better. Better like medical care now. But it's still. Incredibly risky and scary. So scary and stressful enough for women as it is but then to have religious type text adding pressure and fear to the situation by letting you know that there is a right way to give birth and a wrong way to give birth Mm -hmm. is such bullshit it's fucking bullshit it's like they demand these births basically Mm -hmm. they demand it by the way that it's like you can't prevent it you got to be joyfully available this is your job in life you're 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 a fucking rabbit to reproduce for god's army Mm -hmm. but then they're like and by the way there's a right way and wrong way we don't just demand that you do it but there is a way to do it Mm -hmm. too um it's like if you're not moments away from dying before you get a c-section like you're doing it wrong right any other reason is not good enough it's like (laughs) awesome thanks fuck off but i mean it's not surprising he did he dictates like women's lives and Mm -hmm. guilts them in every other way why not childbirth too i mean childbirth is a selling point that's like a key that's what they're there for (laughs) that's a key thing Mm -hmm. so you know if it's in everything else what's a little more to worry about doing right you know what's just what's another thing to have a little guilt and Mm -hmm. so um then in this basic care bulletin sections like possible risks to the mother and the baby And situations where C-sections are unavoidable, such as a prolapsed cord or placental abruption, for example, those sections didn't have any giant red flags worth discussing. Okay. But my eyebrows started to raise a bit again when I got to the section titled "Special, Special Situations That Do Not Always Require a Cesarean Section. the subtitle line already gets me going it says when complications occur in a pregnancy the couple often feels they did something wrong a complication is particularly troublesome when special efforts have been made to fully follow god's design for childbirth and the reason this makes me so angry is because you're part of the you're the reason for this mm-hmm. his teachings are so do this You'll get this positive outcome. Do this wrong. You'll get this negative consequence. Everything is taught black and white. Yep. Or thinking back to Ginger's book. Remember how she actually described seeing viewing life as a series of deposits and withdrawals? hmm Like, y- you, you've set this up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Billy G, it may feel troublesome to a woman when she feels like she's doing it all right by the standards that you're teaching and then things still complications still arise Mm -hmm. yeah it's troublesome to them because then they think that they must have done something else wrong for this to happen because that's the messaging in everything you teach Mm -hmm. there's something that they've done wrong lurking somewhere that they can't even think of so yeah i think it's a little troublesome and they're just like oh they think they might have done something wrong
2: yeah Yeah. you're perpetuating yes
1: you're part of it you've done that yep so then right after he creates this new fear by essentially telling them that there's a right way and a wrong way to birth a baby. Of course. He says, "Quote, fear should not be a part of childbirth." <laughs> he gives a Bible quote about fear.
2: Oh, of course. So, oh.
1: So I'm going to set this all up and make y'all nervous about it and like whatever, but you, you shouldn't have you're not supposed to have fear.
2: Oh god.
1: Now, let's get into some of the specifics about when they're saying you may not actually need a C-section. Basically, his list of times that, I'm just pulling, like, one of the statistics from earlier. Mm. Basically, a list of times that 24% of women are getting C-sections when they should only be 5%.
2: Like, they walk in and they just yell C-section, right? Yep. yep. When they, they just get demand it. In. They just, mm-hmm. like,
1: they, they they slap their hand down on the yep counter and they're like, C-section, please!
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Lemon Icy.
1: Yep. Okay, so first, um, so the first is in matters of CPD, which is when the pelvis is too small for the baby's head to fit through. Mm-hmm. The sort of snarkiness comes through when it says, quote, when a true CPD occurs, a cesarean section is required. The word true is in italics.
2: Oh, of course.
1: So you can feel the tood coming through. Mm-hmm. They go on to say that many of these diagnoses are inaccurate and don't take into account a list of things like the softening of the tissues and stretching of the muscles um, that occurs in childbirth and the squatting position um, and more. But what I found noteworthy was this part, a wise couple would do well to review each complication as an assignment to gain new depths of understanding into self-acceptance. The booklet on design in the basic seminar follow-up course would be an excellent resource for this project. A a proper self-acceptance will increase a mother's ability to have strong contractions. Wow. This can enable even a mother with a somewhat small pelvis to deliver naturally. A little later in the text, it says that the type of pelvis that God gives you Gives each one, um, like you know, that so like they give like four different types of pelvises or something. <laughs> like, oh,
0: it's
1: like a, it's like a little chart thing, and so they're saying that God gives each woman, um, a a specific type, and it's not a mistake. And quote, even though she may not fully understand all the reasons for God's unique design of her pelvis, however, if her purpose is to glorify God, she will thank Him. Wow. So just you know, just check in for understanding here. So if you just accept that small pelvis of yours that God gave you, you'll be able to have strong contractions mm. and you'll be fine. You'll just birth it and it'll be fine.
2: So when the mother's having like life threatening medical issues. Because
1: the baby can't get past her, you know And
2: and yeah. the OBGYN is in the room and their their doctors and their team of nurses are in the room. There's a point where the OBGYN is gonna be yelling. Have you accepted your pelvis yet? <laughs> yes. Try accepting your pelvis.
1: It, it's really the unacceptance of your pelvis that's the real issue here.
2: I accepted my pelvis a long time ago.
1: So, <laughs> so all three. Of I my could older have a baby sisters, right now. <laughs> all three of my older sisters have had to have C sections, mm-hmm. even ones that like started off pushing and like you know, intending mm-hmm. for like whatever. Like one sister, um, she doesn't dilate. She contracts but does not dilate. Mm-hmm. Uh my second oldest sister, she was pushing for a really long time and my niece kept hitting like a dip in like her there's like mm-hmm. a dip on her, like so she couldn't get past that like dip. So she, she never, had never accepted ever, the dip. She, she exactly. So all I'm thinking is she was just like if she had just been more accepting of that dip in her birth canal. Yeah, exactly. you know, like you know, like maybe mm-hmm maybe she wouldn't have had to have a C one of these willy-nilly little c-sections. Yep. And then my third sister, she was also pushing for for a while and like whatever. And then later on they told her they're like, "Oh, his head was huge." Like they're <laughs> like whatever. But I'm just sitting here and thinking that he would say that all of those were unnecessary. You weren't dying.
2: Right. <laughs> a lot of this bullshit just reminds me there's a post that I have of like a of a doctor that posts different medical things to kind of bust through people's misconceptions. And one of the things she posted was two infant's legs, and it said both of these both of these legs side by side are from infants that were born healthy, six months old. And one of them is super skinny and the other one is super chubby. And she's like, this is to both of them came from mothers that were breastfeeding. And so all of a a lot of the controllables were exactly the same that would develop, you know, infants at that time. And it's like, this is really just to show you that, like,
1: hey, maybe everything, every situation is different.
2: (laughs) Every there's so many idiosyncrasies to the human body that have factors that aren't necessarily impacted by what we're eating or you know yeah at the one of the things i learned when i was going to U of A, because i went to U of A for biochemistry is that at the end of the day we're just all big bags of chemicals and it affects it does affect a lot of processes and things in our lives but when you take that idea and then you bastardize it into this where you obviously hate women it bothers me a lot
0: yeah a lot yeah
2: because one of the things I said in the episode when when Cannon was able to go and actually, like, touch Josie, I was like, think about the chemicals that are being injected into her body. They're chemicals that that lead us to want to take care of our children and not eat them. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's where I, a lot of, like, the, the mother becomes a mother. The father becomes a father when he sees his child. Mm -hmm. And it's because there's, once again, it's all of those chemicals that kind of lead to that and and create connections in your brain. And that was when I was thinking about, like, what chemicals are, are being put in when you're touching a child that is so small. and You know what I mean? Yeah. So... Yeah, when you take that and you bastardize it, it really bothers me.
1: Well, it's like we're already in a world where everything is so judgy. Like you saying that the the fact that they use, like the factors were like they were both breastfed and they were both this and they were both that. It's like all these like things that were the same. So you can still show that, hey, things can be different even when mm-hmm. you do all these things the same. But it's like we come from a world where it's so judgy. And it's like, oh, you bought you formula fed, oh, yeah. or you only did it we breastfed for this long, or mm-hmm. oh, you did that. Like there's already just so much judgment of the world, and then now they've got this like fucking religious thing on top of it too. Yeah. Like there's just so much. Mm-hmm. Like a woman can never fucking get it right,
2: mm-hmm. especially not in this environment.
1: Nope. So, anyways, we were talking about, you know, accepting your pelvis. <laughs> that was where we left Done. off. <laughs> So this is followed up by several stories of people who had C sections the first time, because of being diagnosed with CPD, and then going on to successfully de- deliver vaginally later, which happens. That does. No happen. one's denying it's that. Nobody saying yeah, but it's it's again the taking of it and using it is weaponizing it mm-hmm. is what it is. So there's also a story of a woman being uh, diagnosed with CPD in her very first pregnancy that I want to share bits and pieces of because of the dramatic wording of it all. It starts out by saying, quote, We were shattered as we learned that our first child was to be brought into the world by cesarean section. Two doctors confirmed that this was the only way because of my wife's small, funnel-shaped pelvis. So imagine a young girl, or woman, with an IBLP reading this, and reading the words that they were shattered by this. Mm-hmm. It only adds to the pressure that this is to be avoided at all costs.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, listen to how bad they make it sound. Like, it's a yep. total fucking failure. Mm-hmm. If that's, you know.
2: what well, did she... I mean, I guess the real question in all of it is... I mean, did she even try not to have a small funnel-shaped uterus?
1: <laughs> did you try Did she even try? Did you even try accepting that funnel yeah try a little harder yeah so the story goes on to say how their second and third children were born via c-section as well and after the third the mother was in the icu no details on why though okay but after that they decided not to not only to try a vaginal birth but also a home birth that was successful hey and that can happen Mm -hmm. but again it's the weaponization the story ends with some real tood coming through with the final lines being, quote, small pelvis indeed. Praise the Lord for giving us the faith to trust him for his best.
2: It's like they're scratching and clawing to try to make the exception the rule.
1: Yeah. Because yeah, it's the idea
2: that, like, you're correct. These things do happen. You can get diagnosed with CPD and still have a vaginal birth. That's successful, that, yeah, yeah. You that can happen. The vast majority of women that do get diagnosed with CPD probably aren't going to be able to. And if like, they
1: choose to not even try for fear of it, fuck. Who cares? Who the fuck cares? Yeah. Let them. That's up to them.
2: Are you mad about the fact that you had a child for God's army, but they weren't born in the right way?
1: Yeah, exactly. And on that, like the the attitude coming through that, like. To me, like the small pelvis indeed, it sounds like the IBLP birthing version of my mother saying like, stick it up your butt. Mm -hmm. Doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, I'm going to start saying small, small pelvis indeed as a clap back and see where it gets me in life.
2: What's the idea that like, they know better than medical professionals and all of this proves it? Yeah. It's the, I'm being... I'm being personally persecuted by medical professionals, you know. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, This basic care bulletin also instructs you to call the elders of your church before making any decisions, saying, quote, in a non-emergency situation, any mother who puts herself in the hands of physicians for cesarean section before calling for the elders of her church is making an unwise decision. There it is. So let's just get more men involved in the mm-hmm. decision making of this woman's body and her life and the life of her child. Mm-hmm. Get the whole fucking church in the delivery room. Why don't you? You know, like I just
2: imagine like a telethon with like the three rows of people that are all on telephones, <laughs> yeah. waiting, waiting for the women to potentially call and get medical advice.
1: I, I it's just this idea of like, oh. This woman is facing this. Let's call a bunch of fucking men. They'll know what to do. Mm -hmm.
2: Do the hospitals in those cities have like a red phone that doesn't have numbers to dial? It just has a picture of a uterus (laughs) and they have (laughs) to call and it's like old Batman. And then somebody picks it up at the church.
1: Yeah, I I think that that's definitely got it. That's the only way. I mean, it's the only thing I can imagine. Mm hmm but this did make me think back to my father being a bishop like my dad was a bishop from the time i was born until we moved from phoenix to peoria so my entire child younger childhood he was the bishop of our ward and Mm -hmm. then after we moved he was on high council well he was um he was part of the bishopric but not the actual bishop and then he was on high council blah, blah 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 but these are the moments where i think about like in this setting i'm like who the f- what the fuck would my dad have to offer? Like, just t- talking in the sense of just like, I know these are two different religions, whatever, but yeah. just talking in the sense of el- calling the elders of the church to help make decisions in your birth experience, the birth of your child. T- what the fuck would my father have to offer this situation?
2: Honey, the doctor says that <laughs> you're potentially, your life is potentially at, th- at risk here. I'm going to get Bart on the phone
1: he'll know what to do yeah like i've thought about that in other contexts before like when i think about how my dad like counseled people and like my parents had the worst fucking marriage ever mm-hmm. and they fucking hated they could not stand they had, they could not stand each other they literally mm-hmm. did not speak to each other they spoke through us children like they did yep. not speak and I'm like, this is a fucking man that's like giving out like marriage advice. Marriage advice. And mm-hmm. he's like counseling people and he's like talking to people's fucking children and he doesn't even talk to his own goddamn kids. So yep. I've had that thought before, but then when I was reading this, I was like, oh, I'm trying to imagine my do- my dad having some form of like something to really offer in the case of mm-hmm. a fucking birth. Fuck yeah. off.
2: It's also the splitting of that mindset of like, I'm going to speak to you out of this imaginary scenario that i'm in in my head rather than what my life experience has been mm-hmm. that's what it feels like is like he wasn't he wasn't giving them advice based off of his own life he was giving them advice based off of the life that he wished he had in his head
1: and it's not even like the situation where like a therapist is like Hey, that doesn't mean that they have their life a hundred percent together. I don't think mm-hmm. that's the case. But they are trained and studied to understand these other things. My dad's a my dad was a fucking graphics designer. He <laughs> was not qualified to give people counsel <laughs> and advice yeah. and therapy and family mm-hmm. like mediation. Not fucking qualified. Okay, no. I'm on a tangent, but I'm just saying he would not be the one to call in a birthing situation. Is all mm-hmm. I'm saying. Any hoozle. Um, so another situation that they say you may not necessarily need a C-section is when the baby is breech. So they do list all the potential risks involved with it. So I am noting that they, they don't like just gloss over that. They do address it, but of course they come with some tips on how to turn the baby.
2: Oh man.
1: The first tip being fasting uh, and prayer saying, quote, by far the best place to start in trying to turn a baby to a more advantageous position for labor and delivery is for the father to fast and pray
2: that's the that's the first thing they list yep the...
1: um yep okay of course this is followed up with a story of a father doing just that and their baby was born in the correct position but here's another hot tip for you all to get your baby out of the breech position ready turn ready? left a lot. Are you ready? Like drive real? a
2: car and turn left a lot.
1: <laughs> Are you ready though for real?
2: No. I'm not mentally ready.
1: Just have the father command them to turn over.
2: That's true. I well, mean, why didn't I think of that?
1: It's like a dog. Sit, stay, turn over. Have oh, the father command God. them. Um for it actually says that, quote by training a baby to recognize his voice, a father can instruct the baby to change position.
2: Oh, my God.
1: And, of course, there's a testimonial for this.
2: I think this gave me forced Whitaker eye. It
1: did. He literally, like, has face palmed and, yeah. <laughs> so, a woman is told that her baby is breached and, quote, We went home and prayed and then Mark commanded the baby to turn. Since Mark had been reading Proverbs and talking to her all these months, we were quite confident she would be obedient to her father's command. Wow. I didn't feel any major movement, so we went to the hospital as scheduled. Lydia had turned. The doctor couldn't believe it, and he went to get an ultrasound machine to make sure. Mark was able to share with the doctor how he had been reading these many months the Proverbs to the baby and how he commanded her to turn. We weren't surprised. Just praising the Lord.
2: I don't know who's more of an idiot. Mark?
1: (laughs) I just want to be like, are are these people just like, can you imagine a doctor then being like, hmm, your baby's breech? Have you tried commanding the baby to turn? Have you tried that yet?
2: Why did these doctors pay all this money to get like medically trained?
1: When they could just have the wisdom booklets and some commandments. (laughs) You know? Let's, you know, let's, oh you know we God. already learned that they basically have a pre-med, you know, when they're done with their seventh grade education with the wisdom booklets that, no. you know, under science is talking about wearing, um, wearing uh, ascots and things. So. No. Any whoozle. This, ne- <laughs> this next part I just have to share because it made me chuckle. It's, not <laughs> um, it's part of a large section that I'm pretty much just skipping over but it's about routine procedures and telling you which to skip and which to hold out on as long as possible alternatives to them things like that okay but a subsection under this was titled prepping and said this quote prepping and then in parentheses it says shaving the baby door <laughs> is no longer a routine procedure Wow. Well. I just gotta say, shaving the baby door was not something I expected to read in an IBLT no, IBLP text. No.
2: Well, shaving the baby door. Shaving the baby I Jesus. got a good laugh. Oh man.
1: So every this is I hope awful. everybody listening from here on out, anytime they're they're whacking at their bush or getting a wax or something, I hope you all from here on out in the Bingo Board of Life, this is Shaving your baby door.
2: Shaving the baby door. Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) Oh, It's good stuff. Uh, They go on to say that research has proven that it does not reduce infection as once believed and can actually increase the potential for infection through razor abrasions. Oh. But it's just the wording of shaving the baby door. (laughs) You're welcome, everyone.
3: Oh, man.
1: So now let's skip ahead to the section about VBACs, which stands for vaginal birth after cesarean. It states, quote, God designed childbirth so the baby must travel through the mother's body in order to be born. This process is amazingly detailed and yet very simple. Because we live in a fallen world, there are times when a mother's body does not function properly in the birth process. When this happens, and they made sure to add this in, okay, in parentheses, approximately 5% of the time. So, you know, they got to drive home that people, these women are overdoing it. It's only 5% of of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When this happens, approximately 5% of the time, a cesarean section is necessary and often life-saving procedure. I just love, which means I hate, how they put sin and a mother's ability to give birth vaginally together in, Mm -hmm. in one scenario. Relating those two things in any kind of way is just f- really fucked up, in my opinion.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the whole, like, because we live in a fallen world, that's that means sin. Mm-hmm. There are times when a bo- mother's body does not function properly in the birth process. So because of sin, your body doesn't function properly. Cool. Yep. Thank you, you fucking asshat. Just another way to make women feel like shit. Yep. So after, um, after that, it's pretty much just goes on to say that just because you've had a C-section doesn't mean you can't deliver vaginally after, and that you need to find a doctor who will let you have a trial labor before going like straight to a C-section. It details how it may be hard to find a doctor that will allow that, and we saw with the Duggars how mm-hmm. they specifically chose Dr. Sarver because she would allow VBACs. Um, but they say you can help change their attitudes toward VBACs by writing them a letter of appeal and give examples of letters of what to write. <laughs> so they're just like, oh, doctors may not do it because they're afraid of um,
2: the medical being complications
1: su- being, su- <laughs> being sued, and you can, you can write these letters that'll help put them at ease. And, you know, we live in a Sioux happy and, um, society so tell them this and tell them that you're aware of this and you're aware of that but you still want to do it blah blah blah.
2: because that's the problem
1: and it's true again people have had c-sections and had had and can go on to successfully deliver vaginally that is Mm -hmm. absolutely true but again it is this idea that they're telling you if a woman decides she doesn't even want to risk it and she just wants to go for the c-section that should be okay yeah, there shouldn't be all of this. You these demands that you need to do this and this and this and this first before it's okay to do it again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the issue. Well,
2: like everything they talk about, they're hanging, they're hanging your faith and your worthiness onto things that are not controllable. Yeah. And I think that's what's the problem is that you're leading to people that are like, you couldn't control this. There was nothing you could have done. You're already dealing with the mental complications of having complications in birth. You're dealing with your own personal feelings about it. Mm-hmm. And then you now you're dealing with the fact that, oh, well, apparently this religion that I'm basing my life off of, I'm also not good enough there and I did something wrong. I think that's, yep. you see that a lot in those scenarios where it's like, I did something wrong here. You know what? Nope. Sometimes you fucking do everything right and you lose. Like, and that's it's not even losing. Normal. It's just reality. Like, yeah. it's
1: just, it's just what's happening.
2: That was a throwback to my Star Trek quote. Yeah. But.
1: Um, they end the booklet with pretty much a sample birth plan, but they call it childbirth guidelines. And it states, quote, the following information is intended for discussion, not as a series of unbendable rules. It is presented with the hope that the husband and wife can work together with their doctor or midwife to establish the least intrusive management possible for the birth of their child. So while they do state that it's not set rules, I mean, I kind of feel like any IBLP woman reading this is going to feel like this is the way to do it. Oh, Of course. This is the right way to give birth. So you can say, like, oh, we're not saying, but that's what you're saying. Or Mm -hmm. that is definitely how it's going to be interpreted. It wouldn't be here if this wasn't the end all be all of what you think it should be happening. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to cover the things on the list that caught my attention. Under the section about pap smears, it says it should not be suggested routinely. But then under that it says should be done for an unwed mother or for a mother who has been with more than one man in her lifetime. So apparently pap smears are only for like the harlot Jezebel types. Well, so. yeah. So good they to know. They come with
2: the giant red um, letter P to put on your chest as well, pap so smear. people know yeah. that you had one. Yeah, you
1: need. Yeah, you need you. Uh, you've had one. You need another one. Yep. You need all the pap smears. You're mm-hmm. a slut. Um, It says that there will be no routine breast exam and that the couple will be responsible to learn to do a self-exam and to report anything out of the ordinary. And I can't help but feel like this is them making healthcare into something sexual.
2: 100%.
1: Because they make everything fucking sexual. Absolutely. It's like Jim, Bob, and Michelle specifically. They let an abuser molest their daughters and did fuck all about it. Mm Mm-hmm. But the medical professional can't perform a breast exam to make sure everything's okay. That's just that's just too sexual. That's yep, crossing that's a line. It, yeah, and also self exams are great too. In addition, yeah, to, that's not the end all be all. Like, like in, fine. I I think everyone should you know that's fine. Learn them at home so you can be on the lookout between stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But that's not that shouldn't replace exactly when you're at the doctor and they can be doing it. Mm-hmm. It's fucking it's asinine. Yep. Um, but also, like, medical professionals are staring into your vagina as you give birth. But, like, don't let their hands near your boobies. (laughs) I don't get it. But I also don't sexualize every fucking thing, so I never will get it. But it's like, okay, so they're, I, I don't understand. Um, and considering they won't even allow a breast exam. It's absolutely no surprise at all that it also states that no routine manual or speculum exams will be done either, which is the insertion of fingers to do an exam Mm -hmm. or and the um, speculum is with like the instrument type thing. Mm -hmm. So none of that allowed. No. I mean, they can't even let you touch the boob. So it's crazy to me. Um, I mean,
2: I'm assuming... I'm I'm just surprised it didn't say, you know, you shouldn't go to a medical professional for a breast exam, call the elders at your church, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they'll do them. You oh, know, they'll they'll be right the there. W- they'll
1: be there mm-hmm. and like those they'll, they'll rumor they'll be over there faster than Terry was for dinner. Like yeah, they'll exactly. be right there. Yep. Um and then instead of breaking your water or having an induction, some alternatives are praying and asking God to bring forth the baby.
2: Yelling at you, your uterus, <laughs> no, that
1: you, let you acce- commanding. I accept. Commanding, I accept, yep. Um, also herbs, castor oil, or trying an enema, and um, so yeah, you know, and here's the thing is like, I'm not, I don't have an issue. Like, if you want to try to avoid an indu- induction, I don't, I don't think that's a problem, you know, mm-hmm. like, I think that's up to everyone, but I just think it's funny. This, just like, hmm, have you tried? Uh, taking a shit first
2: yeah jump up and down
1: maybe pray while you're taking that shit like you know what i mean (laughs) yeah that's true they're like try that first Mm -hmm. let's do that yep and then there's a whole section on modesty that includes allowing for modest gowns doing a minimum number of dilation checks because you know got to keep away from the keep away from the vagina
2: call your elders
1: yeah uh, having at least one or two female assistants and that there are to be no men besides the husband and the doctor in the room.
2: And the doctor is even a, a maybe, you know?
1: <laughs> you know? right? At this like, point, they're like, do you really need to be here?
2: Right. We got it from here, bud.
1: Under a section that's titled Standing Orders, it says there's not to be prep done in the form of being shaved. So um, shaving the baby door, as we learned Kay. earlier. They are against that. Okay. And it says that they're not to have an enema. So they talk about trying an enema when you were trying to not have a, like an induction. But mm. as far as like just like general prep, they're like, no, 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 no enemas, because they're probably like, we don't want to stick things in our butt if we don't have to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's it's uh, keep things out of orifices yeah. as much as possible. They're like, oh, if you you might enjoy it too much, so they're like, only have an enema no if chance. the praying yep. and the herbs aren't doing it. <laughs> Um, no pain meds is another one. And their stance on epidurals is made loud and clear, even though it was only very briefly mentioned in earlier text, saying, quote, the concept that a mother must have a good birth experience, which is in quotes. It's so assholeish. Yeah. Like, it's, you're just a fucking dick in every mm. way you can be a dick. Good birth experience, because God forbid she have one. Yep. So, the concept that a mother must have a good birth experience has caused some doctors to offer a, quote, in quotations, pain-free birth. Those who promote such an idea forget that God is the author of birth and that he has built into mothers the ability to handle the pressures that accompany the birth process.
2: Written by men.
1: Yeah. So much fucking sassafras in that statement. Mm Mm-hmm. Those who promote such an idea forget God is the author of birth. So fucking dramatic.
2: I feel like, good. Finish. No, go ahead. I was, if, if their group had a societal way of women opting out of a lot of this stuff, there would be no women in this group. I know right because it's not even just the way that they're treated everything is written so anti-woman in everything that they do mm-hmm. that if they had a fucking choice you think they'd still be here they your ass would be on the street and she'd be gone in 5 seconds yeah so it's you see a lot of these like self-sustaining like ouroboros like systems that are here because there's no way absolutely no way if you didn't exist in this system as a woman that you would read this and go they have my best interests at heart oh yeah there's no way
1: yeah it's only because they're already in it and they don't see it you know and they
2: don't see that there's n- no the other, other option way. Mm-hmm.
1: they don't see the other option they don't see the other side of yeah
2: fuck that shit
1: so way in the future tim you'll see one sister seemingly throw some subtle shade at another sister for having an epidural <laughs> So stay, stay tuned for that, but that's okay. way down the road. Um, wrapping up some more things on the list is that a mother is not to be encouraged to push unless she feels the urge. There is to be no routine episiotomy. Um, they say that the couple is aware that tears are a possibility and that tears will be minimized with massage, warm compress, olive Prayer. oil, <laughs> um, and controlled delivery of the baby with breathing techniques. My question is um Okay 'cause to be clear, I actually think there should be very clear communication on this topic. I think that's important. Like I'd want them to talk to me about it first, not mm-hmm. just assume like, you know, tell me that we really do actually need to do this and we're not just, you know, like doing it. But my question all this, I just want to know who's applying the olive oil. <laughs> they can't even do a breast. Church exam, elders. So <laughs> exactly. So it's like, who's oiling up her vag?
2: Yeah. Like, old Old Gus over there has a can of E V O O, so um, he's he's the one that you call for the oil. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just let you know.
1: Like, are we supposed to believe that Pest would get down there and like rub olive oil on Anna's cooch like it's a baked potato? Like, <laughs> like who's actually you know who's rubbing the oil? Is she just having to do it herself because nobody else is allowed to be down there? Like, Probably. What, what's going mm-hmm. on with the olive oil?
2: Yeah, Gus and Gus was on vacation, so he wasn't able to bring his can
1: mm-hmm so yeah like i do think that like it shouldn't just be assumed and that it should be a taught like the woman should know if there's this is going to be happening mm-hmm. and that it's necessary but like uh yeah who's who's uh, oiling up the cooch oh my god um so and that kind of wraps up the c-sections booklet but before we move on to what we're digging on i just kind of want to make some things clear and you kind of touched on some of the things i like i want to talk about So, giving birth is a very personal thing with very big, very personal decisions. And those decisions are, they're going to vary and they're going to look different from person to person, Mm -hmm. situation to situation. And what might be really important to one person isn't that important to another and that's okay, you know? Right. And I think it's between a woman and her healthcare provider to make these decisions And so, like, it's totally fine to decide you want an epidural, and it's also fine for a woman to try to avoid one if she can. Mm -hmm. It's fine to plan a C-section, and it's also fine to want to avoid a (laughs) C-section. Like, Mm -hmm. all of these are okay. And, I mean, that's just a couple examples, but that just stands for everything we've talked about, pretty much, you know? Mm -hmm. And none of this should be up to anyone else. Mm -hmm. Not anyone else's business, how you decide to give birth. Um. Obviously, this is kind of like times of like gross negligence aside. <laughs> like you know, we're mm-hmm. not talking about like these extreme situations. We're talking about just like your run of the mill. Like you're giving birth. You can decide how you want to fucking do it. Type thing. Mm-hmm. Different people have different things that are important to them, and the issue here is just that it's presented in a way. Like like I've said, that there is a right way to give birth and that there is a wrong way to give birth. And that's the problem. Yep. And I kind of relate all of this to kind of the same way I feel about, like, modesty, for example. Like, if you want to cover yourself more and you feel more comfortable that way, have at it. Mm-hmm. If you want to wear wholesome swimmer- swimwear, fucking
0: do it. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't give a fuck. Why should it matter to me? It it's, it's not it doesn't matter to anyone else but you it's that's your decision. My issue is when in modesty is when it's being taught that they need to cover up, and that they're responsible for men's thoughts and actions, and they're guilted and shamed for it. Mm-hmm. That's the issue, not the actual covering up. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel the same with all this. If you want to try to avoid having a C section as much as possible, that's fine. Mm-hmm. My point is, it should be your choice. And not because you're being told how to and not not how you know how not to do it mm-hmm. and being guilted and fucking shamed for it. Yeah. I don't take issue with these things on a base level when it's a personal decision. But these are not personal decisions. No. They're decisions made by men that these women are expected to follow. hmm. And it's like so many times in childbirth things just don't go as planned Mm -hmm. like i know plenty of people who had a whole thing you know they have their whole plan in place they plan to do things naturally and then there's complications and they have an emergency c-section every single one of my sisters multiple of my friends like Mm -hmm. you know i've seen it time and time again and a lot of times those can be traumatic situations Mm -hmm. like think back to jill Mm -hmm. so they already have the fear and trauma And then comes the emotion of feeling, like, sort of, like, robbed of the experience. Like, the happy experience of, like, having a simple birth of what you had in mind and getting to hold your baby on your chest just seconds afterward. And Mm -hmm. not having to be, you know, in a fucking OR and, like, all these things. And you end up almost having to mourn the experience you wanted but Mm -hmm. didn't get. Yeah. While also, like still processing the shock and sometimes trauma on top of just like the flood of emotions and hormones that come with fucking giving birth anyway mm-hmm. like it's all a lot and I, I got like really choked up thinking about like like these poor women have to go through all of that and then they just pile on them even more mm-hmm. because like her church is basically adding guilt and shame because like oh you didn't do this according to god's design like her body like failed her and her baby. Mhm, I just hate this idea of women feeling like guilt and shame and disappointment because of these teachings. you know mm-hmm. I-, I think it's fucking awful. they never get a fucking break. they're just piled on like all the time they like, they'll never get it completely right, or mm. they'll never have not a million things in their brain of like what they could be doing better, yeah. Like, it's just, it's fucking sad to me. And I just hope that after a woman gives birth via C-section, like, I just really, like, you're just hopeful that in the moment they're able to focus on the fact that their baby is here and well, and mm-hmm. not just, like, all of the the noise of how it wasn't God's way and
0: mm-hmm.
1: worry that maybe she wasn't close enough to death to warrant it. Right. Like, that's what's so fucking sick. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you were... You know, you were that 19% that's just, like, fucking getting them for no fucking reason. Would have gotten
2: two if they would have let you. (laughs) Yeah, right. No. And I I think when you look at their attitudes toward medical stuff, when it's things that they don't like, it becomes, well, that was God's design and you shouldn't be wrecking God's design. But then if you take that same mindset and you apply it to the woman... This woman was created in the vision of their creator, but when things go wrong, it's her fault. She was created in the vision of her creator, yeah, so how is it her fault? But it's the sin
1: that, that... <laughs> right, right.
2: And I think that's where that weird fucked up exactly. mentality uh-huh. circles around itself is because you can't you can't say that this is perfect as as my creator created us. And then be mad because it didn't get created correctly.
1: Or the... Yeah, or didn't...
2: And then just blame it on the woman. Yeah. Like, I've talked about this before on here. Like, Arthur's mentality was that, you know, because he is a Christian man, he talks about how, like, he believes that God gave people an interest or a talent or a specialty and if it has to do with medical care they're going to learn these things and it was and it was in his mentality it was god that gave them that interest and sparked that in liking to help people heal and and you know deliver babies and whatever it is so it's like they're not fighting each other they're complementary to each other in his head yeah you know and i think that allows him to be more open-minded than I think what we're seeing here. Yeah. So much more. And that's why me and him had really good religious debates because he wasn't immediately attacked when somebody gave a a dissenting opinion, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's what you see here. It's the the pettiness of the verbiage that's used comes from the fact that you feel like them doing something that you don't like is personally attacking you. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Like, like my oldest sister, the one that um contracts but doesn't dilate, like, the do- doctors told her, they're like, oh, back in the old days, you just would have been one of those women who died. <laughs> they're like, because, like, yeah. her blood pressure, like, and everything would just shoot, just shoots up because you're, you're Your doing, body's you're, trying. You're, you're, you're doing all the progressing and nothing's fucking happening and then you mm-hmm. just die. <laughs> like, so, um. I'll just have to ask her what, what sin she has, or maybe if she hasn't, I'll be she like, She didn't accept her I know. uterus. Like her kids are fucking like 18 and 24 now, but like, I'm like, but back then, did you just try like accepting yeah. what was going on? Did or you? Or having
2: my brother-in-law like command her body to dilate. Yeah, you know? I
1: know. Did you, Drew, did you ever think of that? <laughs> did you ever think of just being like, I command you to <laughs> dilate? <laughs> yeah. oh, it's just crazy and i just truly hope for the sake of these women's mental health that like the happiness of the birth of the baby and like them being here and healthy takes over in her mind and not the bullshit but i fear mm-hmm. it isn't enough
2: how many of them resent their fucking kids you know what i mean and it's not their fault like it's it's not there's so like you said you're talking about all the emotions that are attached to it and it's like this experience of having a child is just so soiled by this bullshit by see I Billy didn't even G. think of it in
1: that way I just think that they're getting not like resenting their kids I think of them just like still continuously beating themselves up or feeling oh, yeah. that mm-hmm. and like and I just want them to be like like focus on like the birth of the child being here yeah. but like I don't know if when it's so ingrained into all of this mm-hmm. and all their little like subtle ways the messaging is there yeah like will they ever overcome that or did they hit the point where like fucking that doesn't fucking matter the baby's here and everything's fine or do they still go like oh that just did not go how it was supposed to go yeah you know um it was just interesting though because of reading this document there weren't there weren't i didn't disagree with everything there were some things i agreed with like hey personally i may not want my water broken if it isn't necessary Mm i i I want them to talk to me about an episiotomy and not make assumptions. <laughs> I um like I want to like when they're talking about like um not being asked to push unless you feel the urge. Yeah, like maybe that's how I'd want, you know, there's just little things where I'm like I could see how I agreed with certain things and you know or, like whatever. But I agree with it in the sense of like making sure that there's communication and that the woman has options and that that's not just like an automatic thing. Mhm. It's the greater message here that's the issue, not necessarily every individual thing said. Right. Like, it, again, it's fine if a woman decides to do or not do some things, but this is all being told to you, like, no, no, no.
2: That's not okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, that is gallstones and C-sections.
2: That was incredibly frustrating.
1: Oh, yeah. It's that just funny to me that hard they have- to get through. <laughs> you know you know they just you know all this medical stuff they just you know and how it relates but it's the the definitions and like the the callbacks to this and that it's just wow damn they really work hard to make those connections connect dots that really don't <laughs> really don't connect Jeez. all right ready to do diggings on
2: yeah let's move on to something better yes so you talked for a while. Would you like me to go first? Please. Usually that's the case. All right. So, last couple times have been music related. This one's more holiday related. So this week I am digging on all three iterations of the Grinch.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: The thing, the the cartoon is a classic and the the narration is so good and the art style is so of Dr. Seuss but then also a little gritty which i appreciate um and then when you get into like Jim Carrey like Jim Carrey did not have to go so hard and he was the absolute perfect actor to be in that movie he was perfect because he could play this oddly emotional side of it but then also kind of the silly Dr. Seuss side of it. One of my favorite things that always comes out during this time is when he tried to pull the the tablecloth to, to get all the stuff off the table, and it was supposed to all fall on the ground, but he pulled it so perfectly that all the plateware and everything stayed on the table, and he improvised running over to it and then just knocking it all over with his hands. Uh-huh. That's a perfect Jim Carrey moment. Oh, yeah. It was great. And then the... Benedict Cumberbatch one,
1: so good. It so was good. so
2: good, and I think, I think the characters were amazing. Keenan Thompson's character is hilarious. I know. I just
1: love his voice. <laughs> like he has a perfect voice for <laughs> uh, voice acting, like cartoon. You know, it's Grinchy. <laughs> it's so good.
2: Um, and it's on both the live action and the CG one. One of my favorite parts is when they show all of like the Who's um like contraptions that they build because you know that they're based off of Dr. Seuss designs but then there's some of them that are like the one that's to make snowballs and it's like a big wheel in the middle and it has like a little like scooper to like create snowballs there's just something about those that as like a fan of art and as a fan of engineering and like really creative uses of it in media like those those machines are amazing the fact that all their like stores open up When, like, all of the stores in Whoville Uh open up into other things. It's amazing. And then the last thing I have on that same note is in the live action one, when they show the little kid Grinch trying to shave. Oh, yeah. We use this term a lot because it's when he's about to shave because he doesn't want... Obviously, he wants to look normal. And it's him with this oddly cartoony razor going, go ahead, do it.
1: So... All, i've been saying it all year round because just to make it clear like we have our list of we own like 32 christmas movies and every year we go through and i go through them and i say what do you want what's your must-haves what's your maybes what's after christmas what do you not give a shit about by the way he doesn't give a shit about dolly just saying um but last year because of getting covid we watched all three grinches so mm-hmm. it was really fresh we actually got to most of the list and we don't normally get to his must-haves mm-hmm. list So, we watched all three Grinches, and this one thing just stuck out with us, and I've been saying it all year, it's when Little Grinch says, oh, Martha, oh, Christmas. Oh, Christmas. And it's Little Timmy from Passions. Okay, anybody from my age remember when Passions came out? Passions was garbage. It's a garbage soap opera that has, like, magic and shit. But I remember it came out over the summer. Like, when I was, like, younger and me my sister and my mom watched it, garbage. <laughs> but it was Tabitha and little Timmy. Little Timmy is little is little Grinch.
2: Oh, wow. So we say, yeah, because he has a little bit of a lisp. And then whenever we see Mildred, a lot of times we'll go, oh, Mildred. So then now we do.
1: Oh, Mildred. Oh, Christmas.
2: <laughs> That's what I'm digging on.
1: All right. Good one. Very good one. So Tim and I normally don't tell each other what we're digging on is, but I'll just be like, hey, you got your digging on? Like, we just kind of like check in like, hey, do you have it? And I was like, yeah, yeah. He asked me and I was like, yeah, I have it. And he goes, is it holiday related? And I was like, yes. (laughs) You can just assume right now that it's Mm going to be. I mean, this is my time of year. Let me fucking live. This is my Mm -hmm. time of year. I am digging on. I mean, I would dig on it anyway, but I'm particularly digging on my Santa hutch this year. Because this year's Santa Hutch kicks last year's Santa Hutch's ass. Isn't it so much better?
2: It is real good.
1: I collected a lot of vintage Santa mugs mm-hmm. throughout the year. Like, all year long had my eye out. And I remember thinking, like, oh, maybe I'll list a few for vintage stuff. Nope, I kept every single fucking one, <laughs> and I'm glad I did. And I got some good, like, signs and stuff to, like, put in the background that kind of are, like, good filler. Mm-hmm. Kicks last year's ass. So, <laughs> Santa Hutch's pretty good this year i'm impressed
2: it's a good choice now you're gonna have to document it and throw that for the pickle people or something
1: yep i will um should we dismiss people and talk about a couple things yep so uh people who don't care about a personal lives you're dismissed <laughs> so last thursday are they gone now are you guys gone i think so okay are they gone okay so last thursday it's tuesday now as we're recording god mm-hmm. it's been that many it feels like it was forever ago last thursday we had the me first in the gimme give mm-hmm. holiday show tim and i once again got another matching shirt <laughs> the problem is is everywhere we go we like the same thing the same shirts yeah. every time every concert we're like god well i like that one too
2: and part of it was it was indicative of the fact that this was our holiday tour their other shirts were good but i'm like if we're gonna see them for the holidays i want the holiday one
1: so yet another shirt to add to our thing that we just have to make sure we don't wear at the same time. Mm-hmm. Story of our life. It's like, oh, don't wear the Phil shirt today. Yep. Don't wear the Foo Fighters twenty sixteen shirt. Don't wear Dolly. the Dolly. Yeah, don't wear the Dolly shirt. Um so we got the we got some socks, we got an ornament. Yeah, they had an ornament too. Good. Yep. And uh yeah, it was a good show. I think I think the thing that I um enjoy is that from the beginning I like that they wear matching clothes.
2: And most of the time it's glittery.
1: Well, just like even back to the old days, they would be like they would mm-hmm. all be wearing a cardigan and a bow tie. Like they yeah. they always wear like an ensemble, mm-hmm. and I appreciate it because it feels old timey, like yeah. back when bands did mm-hmm. like match each other. Like, so I like that, and it was a it's a good show.
2: And let's be real, Spike has a bunch of like really long, um, like glittery tassels on his on his microphone stand, and that just adds to the showmanship.
1: Yeah, definitely doesn't he. He's got some moves, man. He 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 gets it. Yeah, he does. Like the backwards, and he like the like not quite a moonwalk, but kind of like I don't know how to describe it. He has like some fucking moves, man. He jams. He really does. Um, and it was funny because as we were going in um uh, tim was telling me like we're standing in line he was like there's this guy that me and wally met at the show last year mm-hmm. and he texts saying that he's gonna he's here tonight he's like and i don't remember his name <laughs> he's like so tim was basically telling me like do me a solid
2: i'm gonna use you as an an excuse to learn his name again
1: <laughs> yeah so i was like okay so i need to be like and your name is but luckily when he walked up it was um he introduced he, himself he, he said it right away so hmm so there and, like, some other friends that, like, Tim, like, goes on the man trip. But so it was a big group and, yeah, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was good. Um, And then also this past weekend, I had the annual uh, Cousin Christmas Sleepover. Mm-hmm. But it was year 10.
2: It's crazy. You guys need cups like we do for the man trip. So it was
1: year 10. so I, um, on Thanksgiving, I gifted them sweatshirts that I had made. Mm-hmm that had like a little logo type thing that was like established twenty thirteen cousin Christmas sleepover. And I gave them like cool cups and I gave them slippers when I got there. And we did gingerbread houses this year. We did our or norm we did our nachos like normal, but then we didn't do any of the other normal stuff that we normally do. We normally go to this light thing and we like color, but we were all gingerbread house um
2: and we made the gingerbread houses.
1: Tim made the gingerbread <laughs> Tim did that. Um we appreciate it. But The reason I bring this up more specifically is because I had two realizations during this sleepover. Number one is that my oldest niece is now older than I was when I started this tradition. Damn. So I started doing this with them when I was 23. And my niece is 24, the oldest one that comes. And like when I brought this up, her sister, her younger sister that's 18 was like, Katie, can you even imagine doing this for kids? Like she's (laughs) just like,
2: you're like, she wouldn't be able to, do this."
1: (laughs) but it was just like, I felt like she was just like, Katie, could you even do this? It was just kind of funny. And then the second thing I realized is that, um, that I'm old is because, so I gifted them these sweatshirts, right? one niece showed up having cut off the the neckline like the call mm-hmm. like and i was like you're cool this doesn't bother you you're fucking cool you're not an old fucking square but i instantly had flashbacks to me being in high school and having friends because when i was in high school everybody was cutting up their fucking clothes everybody mm-hmm. and i remember matter. having friends and i never did but I had to have friends, and I remember friends being like, oh, my mom was so mad. She's like, I just bought you that, and I spent all this money, and you go cutting it up. And so, like, we're in high school, we're like, buzzkill. Like, you know, right? And so then when my niece showed up with that cut, I was like, oh. I was like, oh, be cool, be cool, be cool. But I'm like, what was that, like $8 that you just cut off? Like, you know what I mean? Because, <laughs> like, I was having that. And then the other one, one of the other ones was like, do you have scissors? I'm going to cut mine off, too, so she's not the only one. And I was like, oh. And I went and got the scissors and I gave it to her and I'm like, just fucking keep your mouth shut. Don't be a fucking buzzkill. But I just had that realization. I'm like, oh, I'm like the parents of my friends in high school where I'm just mm-hmm. like, I paid for that. And you mm-hmm. just put it in the garbage. So realized I'm old. Copy that. couple ways. So. <laughs> uh,
2: it's very funny.
1: I kept my mouth shut though. So I was like, nope, it's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. This doesn't bother me. As I'm watching it go into the garbage, it's fine.
2: Those feelings will come out later. Yeah. Pointed at, pointed at something or somebody else. You're yeah, fine.
1: Yeah, it'll be fine. I'm yeah. fine. And that's it.
2: That's all. Yeah. Gingerbread's fun. Yeah. I don't know if I've talked about it here, but I have complicated feelings about gingerbread. My, my minor gingerbread story is that Arthur and I did a gingerbread display for the two Christmases that we worked together. We worked together for like three years, but only two Christmases, and um, we did a big gingerbread display where we had a big tree, and then we had like kind of a deconstructed version of our hotel that we worked at in the middle, and then... Arthur built a bunch of little other buildings so then a bunch of other people in our department could like decorate them. He had one that looked like a bank and it had like Roman columns that was kind of cool. So it was it was cool to kind of do that project together. When we were done, we hit a point where we told it was on like a big round piece of wood and then we put it on a banquet table. Um, and we had fake snow all over it and stuff. So we told engineering, it's the last day, just throw it away. Like, throw the whole thing in the dumpster, the the, the base and everything. And um, we came into work the next day, and engineering had decided to bring it all the way from the front desk and leave it in our prep kitchen on the table. And I was like, I specifically... Okay, so we take it out there, and as we're carrying it out on a cart, I look at Arthur and I'm like, "You ever want to be like Godzilla?" So we grabbed like a broken mop handle and went out to like right in front of the dumpster, and we godzilla this entire this entire gingerbread display, and it was so much fun.
1: I bet it sounds fun.
2: <laughs> and it was like we did. So we used um, isomalt to make windows clear windows through all of it you can use sugar-free candy because it's made out of isomalt um but yeah you melt them into um into the little like hole and it makes a window so um we did that so as we were like smashing it it was a very very uh cathartic like like shatter you know so that was kind of fun the second thing I had was when I was at my last hotel, I made I spent a lot of time making like a three foot tall, really, really accurate version of our hotel. Um, and same thing, it had colored windows in it. Whenever you build construction gingerbread, usually it's not just gingerbread. So I built it around like cardboard support structure and like Arthur on our big one used to use like milk crates, plastic milk crates, and that's what we would like hot glue everything to. So it was all solid. So I did this, spent a lot of time making this like three foot tall um, hotel. And I was so proud of it and I was so happy. And nobody gave a shit about it at all. Yeah. Like I took it to the front desk and they were like, wow, this is cool. And then the GM was like, what are we going to do with it? And I'm like, put it in the front of the hotel. I had fake snow on it. The, the lights inside turned different colors. Like it was insane. So I was like, well, you know, we'll put it here and have it just be part of our like Christmas decorations. Literally the next day it was like shoved into the corner where nobody could see it.
1: He he was an asshole. So I was so angry
2: about it. So I have a love for creating gingerbread stuff, but that one, that one sucked. Yeah. So that's my gingerbread drama.
1: It was the creation of that um, gingerbread that your parents had. Our marriage was on the rocks too. Remember?
2: <laughs> All right, here many story about my father. So <laughs> have we told um, this
1: story already? I don't think so. I don't remember now. Maybe
2: in the pickle, but definitely not on here. Um, so I had a a young cook who was in his like second year of working with us. He was a dishwasher for a year, and then we promoted him and he was actually done kind of with the work that he was doing, and he came up to visit me when I was making the gingerbread hotel. And he was like, chef, do you want some help? And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'll take some help. So I taught him how to roll out the gingerbread, how to cut the shape that I wanted, how to cut out all the little windows, how to press on the brick pattern. We go through the whole thing. I post a series of pictures of the gingerbread in the oven, some of the end product, and then him, and he's like 90 degrees leaned over a, a table, a prep table, with his hand holding, and then he's cutting it with the pizza cutter, right? So you can't really tell... And this isn't me giving my father carte blanche, but you can't really tell who it is because you just see kind of the top of a head. And like, but if you
1: know your child, you who you know who it is not. Is the point?
2: Yep. So my, go ahead. I just
1: want to also point out that you tagged him in the caption.
2: That's true. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. context clues. Context clues. There's a lot of context clues. Yep. So my dad calls me and starts kind of making small talk, and I'm like, okay, whatever. So I'm kind of talking to him, and then he says, we saw your pictures that you posted about the gingerbread, and I was like, yeah, and he goes, you weren't wearing your wedding ring. Is everything okay at home? And I literally stayed silent for a second, because I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, is this a joke? I thought, I, in my head, I was giving the benefit of the doubt of being like, oh, he's joking. And I was like, "What do you mean?" He was like, "Well, that that picture that you had, like you you didn't have your ring on. Is is something going on at home?" And I'm like, "No, that wasn't even fucking me. That was my little brown like nineteen year old cook."
1: The reason we say that is as a joke is because Tim's parents who are clearly mexican 100 percent mexican i'm like is i'm like are you assuming do do you think that every every brown man looks the same like like like, you can't tell it's not your son like i remember showing the picture to people and they're like it is so clearly not you like it doesn't matter that you're both brown like it is just so clearly not you even with his head down like you just look i feel like if you know someone especially like maybe your child per for example like you can tell that that is not tim in the picture but so (laughs) so you can tell it's not him you can Uh, there are the the context clues of the tagging in the picture and talking about how you're getting this help yeah but also just number three um i'm sorry even if you weren't wearing your ring rings don't make you any less married (laughs) like they don't make you more married or less married I haven't been wearing mine for a while because Mm -hmm. my finger got fat, and I'm like, "Mm, maybe I should take it off before there's a problem. Like you know, like, and I just haven't even tried for a while because it just, I constantly have my hands in, like water and stuff like that. So I was just like, "Eh," like, I just haven't been wearing it. Are we less married because I don't wear my ring?
2: One hundred percent. Oh, I'm
1: sorry, (laughs) I'm mistaken. But it's it's like that, and then also Uh... I just felt like it was just like this gossipy like aspect to it. Oh yeah. That I was just like.
2: and he wasn't calling because he was concerned that we were having problems at home. Like you said, he was trying to get the cheese, man. Yeah. That's why it started out with small talk. And that's a, that was exactly, he was fishing for information, which is very apropos of yeah. my parents. So, um, so yeah, I think we should maybe post that picture as it, a, just, it doesn't as even a look like you. I don't visual. care
1: if he has dark hair <laughs> and brown skin; he doesn't look like you. It doesn't look like you. And I just remember even my niece being like, "That doesn't even look like your your bot, like You're your torso, frame, yeah. like your frame. Like it doesn't look like you." Like, <laughs> yes, like you can say that going into it. They know it's not you because of like the story, but they're just like, "But that just doesn't look like you." Like it's just. <laughs> Like, so, again, does your dad think that every fucking Mexican man looks exactly the same? He's a Mexican man. He looks nothing like you.
2: <laughs> anyway, Anyhoozle. we're going we're gonna to post that picture as a bonus fish because it's real good. Yeah. Well, as usual, if you like what you're listening here, feel free to buy us a pickle or a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash digging up the dug. Enjoy episode visuals and Mildred-related content on Instagram at Pod. And if you'd like to send anything to us, snail mail, fold or no fold, we do have a P.O. Box, P.O. Box 5973, Glendale, Arizona 85312. Oh, Martha. Oh, Christmas. (laughs) Have a wonderful week. Watch the Grinch.